Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas for $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Welcome to episode, oh shit, 347. <laughs> Welcome to Wine and Crime. Oh shit, and that's why we drink. <laughs> um, <laughs> finally, people can see our real secret. Yeah. We're just a Wine and Crime knockoff podcast. <laughs> we did well. start the same week as them, which was wild. We, I remember being like, what the heck? We have the yeah. same setup. I do remember I, for a while we were like, are they going to be our rivals? And then it we ended thought up like turning... they were going to despise us. Yeah, um, worked out we differently. Very. Yeah, <laughs> I was prepared for them. I was prepared for a villain era or something, but it turns out that they're Man, lovely people just like us. I would so. love a villain era. Like somebody be our villain. Hmm. Hmm. That's hmm. a dangerous thing to ask the world for the universe. It depends for. on who it is. I'm down depending on who it is. I just uh, love that I said to the universe, "Give me an enemy." Like, why? What is wrong with me? I don't. That's not what I need right like, now. Life's too easy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I, you know the irony is, is the plot twist at the end of the movie is that you find out you're your own worst enemy. <laughs> oh, what a plot twist, indeed. Um, so relatable. So, uh, oh. Sorry, before I forget, I wrote this in my notes. This is Barrett, my moth, um, Squishmallow, that I meant to tell you about. Um, I just wanted to say hello, uh, him to say hello. Let me read. Um, oh, okay. okay. <laughs> well, I guess her pronouns are she, her, according to this tag. So, um, my bad. Let me see. Meet Barrett. This moth loves to dream and interpret dreams for others. Yesterday, she dreamt that she became a snowflake fairy princess and ruled a magical kingdom. She was about to host a snowball when suddenly she woke up. Do you have any dreams to share with Barrett? <laughs> I have a dream that she leaves the screen. <laughs> hey, why are you so mean to Barrett? I, I, I really do feel like five-year-olds come up with the storyline. I like I, in this. a good way. I already have a tattoo of her on my arm. Do you have a name for your moth on your arm? You know, I don't. I call him my little moth man. So I think that has just stuck, you know? Hmm. Um, oh, can I tell you, since Barrett asked me about my dreams, can I tell you something real quick? Uh-huh. Yeah, what? So last <laughs> night, um, I decided I was going to try to astral project. And so I was listening to a sleep hypnosis session, or like a hypnosis session as I was falling asleep. Uh, an astral projection hypnosis. <laughs> Man, Google has everything nowadays. And so <laughs> I was listening to this thing. And I had it in both ears because it was like the binaural beats or whatever. 
Mm-hmm. And I had a sleep mask on and I was like, okay, I'm going to get like really into this. So I'm like doing that thing because I, I always thought maybe I'd be good at astral projecting because I dissociate so well from my own body and like can like leave my physical body mm-hmm. mentally. And so I was like, oh, maybe I'll be good at this. So it's like, you know, doing the guidance and I'm like realizing I can't feel any of my body and it's like so trippy. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, my God, who's that? And I like see somebody in my mind's eye in, oh my, my, God. in my head. And I'm like, it's me. Shut up, Christine. For like what? a split second. I was like, who's that? Like, I literally saw somebody and their face and they had an eye mask on. And I'm like, who the fuck is that? And then I went, <gasps> I was like, so that's you- me. And then I like snapped out of it. And I was like, oh, my God, I think it's working. I don't know if I was just like hallucinating or what. But you it were was you were tearing tripping. away from your husk. I know. I know. And I loved this meditation because it kept saying, like, don't worry, you will come back to your body. You're not going to like, you know. So I was like, okay, I feel safe in this meditation. But I Mm -hmm. really saw my own husk. I was like, I think I did. I felt like I did. But then I'm like, maybe I'm just imagining it all. You know, my my logical How many? How many inches away were you from your husk? Were you like like kissing close or? No, it was like um, as if they were probably three or four feet in front of me. All right, three or four feet. So now your new goal is what? Five feet? Mm, Ten feet? The ceiling? I don't know. The ceiling. <laughs> there is a I scene. Was, <laughs> I really thought there... some ghost had entered my fucking mind. I was like, get out of here, ghost. I'm trying to see myself. Oh my I thought god. They were gonna say I... some shit about like Harry or something was oh, there. Oh gosh. Well What? Okay. <laughs> the other day, Blaze was like, Christine. And I was like, I know he's going to say something about a fucking ghost. I knew it. I just felt it in my bones because I've been feeling like there's more shit going on. And I don't you know. You felt it because... in your husk. I felt it in my husk. And I didn't know if like it was because we were like repairing stuff and like painting and moving things. But I feel like something is afoot. Or it's because I used that fucking ghost app during our after hours. I don't Dumbest know what happened. So stupid. <laughs> but Blaze was like. This thing keeps happening. I was like, what? He's like, my glasses keep disappearing. And he's like, but then they reappear in like a place where I've looked 10 times and I know where they go. And like, he's not a careless person like I am. Like, if I lose something, I'm like, I'm sure I just accidentally threw it out the window or put it in the freezer. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, usually it's I did something stupid. I accidentally hammered it to the wall. Yeah. I accidentally. M told me not to. So I hammered it to the wall. My bad. <laughs> now it's broken. Uh, But yeah, so he's not like that at all. And it's the last couple of weeks he's been like, where the hell are my glasses? Like, they just keep disappearing. And then they will, like, reappear on his pillow or something. And he's like, Ew. did you find them? And I'm like, no, I didn't put them there. Uh, so I don't know. It's very weird. And he said, maybe there's a ghost. And he said it. And I was like, ha ha. And then I was like, he's starting to believe it. I feel it. And he's going <laughs> to listen happening. to this and be it's like, it's happening. Oh my it's God, it's happening. It's this happening. is not a drill. Everybody stay calm. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I, I'm just saying, I feel like Blaze has has noticed it as well. Um, And then the other day he came in and he was like, did you turn my lights on in my office upstairs? And I was like, no, you left them on. He's like, oh, okay. I was like, he's getting scared. He's getting freaked out. I know. (laughs) He's going to hate this episode. (laughs) Anyway, I'm sorry for my, for, for commandeering, but, um, that's my ghosty updates. How are you doing, Em? Uh, I'm good. I've, I have my glasses are on my face. No good. Um, (laughs) which by the way, if a, if a, like I, how badly does he need his glasses? 
Very. He was like, like that's genuinely up. upset. And like, he doesn't have like, a, you know, I have like multiple pairs of glass. All right. I did. No, I have the one. Exactly. He's like that where he's like, I don't, I need to see, like, I can't drive a car. I can't. No, so, I can't either. I can't yeah, see gets, like further really... than like five inches from my face. If I don't and have that's them. why it's so weird because like, he's not, he doesn't lose his glasses. Like I always lost my glasses, but he does not lose his glasses because he needs them every second of the day. And so they will just, he'll like take a shower and come out and be like, my glasses are gone. Mm-hmm. It's so weird. And it's happened only the last couple of weeks, multiple times. So, um, yeah, I was going to say, like, it's a silly little prank until it's, like, a a, a necessity. I mean, like... A road hazard. A, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, a like, crime. A... His driver's license says he needs lenses. I mean, isn't it wild that before glasses and contacts existed, if you, like, if you had bad eyesight, you just had a disability that was not it. taken care of? Like Yes, 100%. It's... And, like, I like, I mean, I... If someone, if a ghost were here, and if there is a ghost here and you're listening, they're invited to take almost anything else but my fucking glasses. That's like, how blazes. I, he was like, this is debilitating. Like, I which, can't which, lose these. I mean, also, like, if you're listening, ghost, please don't take my preparatory at all. I was going like, to say, um, there's a lot of things I would there's have a lot to of lose. <laughs> Things that my body doesn't need, you maybe can have, but nothing nothing else. Um, I Like it's it's it freaks me out a little bit more because it's one of those things we've talked about before where it feels like oh the ghost wants you to notice you know yeah because exactly. if it were it's, it's a game blazes like baseball a... hat he's got so many he wouldn't even yeah, notice exactly. it was gone and that disappears all the time because it's like oh he has like 10 of them or 20 or forty thousand, and they go all over like how i do with all my belongings but the glasses man that's like with you like they do not leave his face you know yeah. unless he's in the shower and if they just poof vanish for like one day, one day it was like two days later and they just reappeared on his nightstand and we were all like two days later, I would have bought a whole new fucking set of glasses. So he had like a back, he found a backup pair that like fall off his face and stuff, but it's happening so often now. This is not a joke. He's going to kill me for even talking about this at all. But on Amazon, I checked our Amazon orders to like see when something was coming, and he had bought like rubber tips for the back of the like backup oh, glasses because he's, he's like, if nerd. I have to keep wearing these, they fall off my fucking face because they're like his backup glasses. He's like, I, I clearly this has become such a problem that he needed a solution to keep them comfortable on his head. It's mm. been a very weird couple of weeks in this house. Um, mm. I don't know. I don't know. Well. I have my glasses. Good. What else is going on? I don't know. Uh, hmm. I think everything's fine. Oh, good. Good. <laughs> you know what? My stepmom always says, no news is good news. Yeah, that's. I guess that's what's going on. I mean, I also haven't really left the house all that much, so I haven't like given the world a chance to like that's really do a number on best. me. Yeah, that's probably for the best. I do feel a little stressed in general about like, um, like Allison's still gone, and so the place is getting progressively worse. Um, oh yeah, because the only reason I keep it very clean is so Allison like feels relaxed here, but I like stays your partner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do it fully because I have you. because I fully am in a relationship, and if I weren't, um, 
this oh, place would same. fall into shambles, which is what's happening. And I'm I'm in the midst of like the destruction happening all around me. And I I'm feel you cackling you know so in the middle of the night. Is like I did not know this about you, and I think I have like a misguided understanding of you because Ooh. when we would go to like the apartment to do uh like space camp or you know do like one of these fun like surprise pop-up things and you'd bring all these crafts and i was a fucking like shit show and there's like glitter everywhere and paint and you were like about to rip your own hair out you were like christine i can't watch you do this like you're making such a mess and i was like man emma said a fucking clean freak i'm over here like dumping paint i was like look at what i can do and like put it on my hand and like put <laughs> like i became a literal toddler and you were having a fucking I could see your eye twitching and you were so <laughs> pissed at me. And I was like, okay, Em is Em and I would not live well together. But now that you're saying the place is falling apart, I'm like, maybe we would. Maybe we would just be a hovel. Like we would live in trash piles. <laughs> I don't know. A, like Mount Trashmore or whatever it, it would is. It would be my... Mount Trashmore. It would. I well, so I when I'm the messiest person, I feel um I feel bad that I'm a mess, but then if there are other people who are messier than me, I'm like, I know out of all of us, I have the responsibility to clean it. So I think that's where the Yeah, you did become is. kind of the parent. You're like, I feel like the parent who's now responsible for like all of these messes. And I'm like, you brought me finger paint. I don't know what you expected would happen, but you <laughs> delivered finger paint to me. And I, I, I really think it's because I knew between the two of us, I'm going to have to clean it. And so I just saw my future as you were throwing glitter on the floor. <laughs> okay. Well, you know what? I say but, again, why did you bring me glitter? <laughs> My own I fault. guess you'll never I I, you never did it again. So part of me likes it, I guess. I I, I know least, you're like a sucker for it. You're like, you know what? I want to pull my hair out. <laughs> I was in my I was still in the routine because Allison was in town at the time. So I think I was in the routine of keeping things clean. Like, so I was This is not how it works. I've been told this is not what we do. Well, it also it doesn't it's not natural for me to be clean. So if I'm in the routine, I have the momentum going of being I clean. See. And then but I right, was threatening right to... now. If you came over and you like sneezed glitter everywhere, I'd go whatever. You know, like it's <laughs> like I'm getting to that point. Like every room, like by the time when Allison gets back, she'll have no idea. Like she'll hear this, but she'll be like, "Oh, I wouldn't have even known." Because it'll be, like, be clean it wasn't by the so time bad, she's here. And you'll be like, "You'll never know." But I'm currently living in complete squalor and like, yeah, and not to be fair, because I don't want people like in the comments being like, well, this is why you have roaches. I'm very clean when it comes to food, but I'm not at all tidy. Like, I'm just like my shit is just everywhere. Like, you know, my mom always said that she's like, oh, we're we're like clean. And they are at my mom's like they're very, but like just messy, like disorganized, like messy, whatever by nature. I am like not clean like i will literally as you know leave like trash piles and there will be food and like crap like i will my mental illness will take over and i'll be like i don't care that there's mold all over the desk it just doesn't matter to me like there will be like i i just want people who are out there to be seen like i am a dirty messy person when it if at my worst like if i'm and the in the irony place, the irony is that not a not a goddamn roach in sight with you but with that's me right. like i leave my like socks out and there's roaches everywhere so i don't well, you even live know in what an apartment about. building in los angeles a very urban area i think that has and burbank specifically has a has a roach problem it seems so um yeah so that's gonna oof. happen no matter who lives where i feel like that's just kind of <laughs> i the forgot environment. to tell you i'm sorry what? i just started laughing <laughs> what um Allison and I went out to get ice cream a couple weeks ago and we were we were walking on the sidewalk 
and there was like like there was like city roaches like the ones that are like the size of rats oh cool (laughs) we walked past one and Allison got so scared she pushed me into traffic (laughs) (laughs) oh how funny em i mean there wasn't any like cars there but like we both got so scared we didn't know what to do and tried to leave the sidewalk and the only other place was the road and it was just a very anyway it's just burbank things Just silly Burbank things, but it was uh, no. They oh my god, they were so fast. It made ours look like the slowest little like like slowest little cockroaches there ever were. This thing like if it had wings, it would have flown right into our eyeballs. Like and it was the scariest. Do, which is just Ugh. when your nightmares become reality. Like in LA, I remember those palmetto bugs, and they would just like Ugh. fly around. Anyway, 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 the place is a mess. So I'm already stressing about the the deep deep clean i'm gonna have to do before allison gets back so that's why i drink and i drink my little bevragino and ld liquid death. Ooh, me too love her i'm um, doing a rest in peach iced yeah. tea liquid death you're flavored Blech. here's my you are so very weird. lively still water plain water out of it <laughs> i cannot understand it all right that one's done so let's crack into another I'm okay telling you it feels like you're like trying to suddenly go back to like a a merch idea or something like you're trying to like pitch <laughs> you're like product placement is what it feels like you're like well might as well look at the camera crack into it it's like okay we see what you're doing here if but i were hired refused to lean into it for so many years that now i'm just like I have whiplash. Like, what is going on? But okay, it's I only when it. I. It's because for a long time I wasn't drinking out of cans. I no, don't think. but there were times you'd open a liqueur and you'd say, "Let's get into it," and I would say, "M, it's right there," and you wouldn't say it, and you you were just like, "Eh, it was not your identity at the time." But I guess now it. I, I guess I guess I had some exploring to do first. Yeah, so. it's okay. We I understand. You always come back. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Product. Uh, <laughs> okay. So um, let's crack into it okay. so it feels very fitting that juniper is currently sitting on my lap uh, because we all want our cats to be healthy and happy because when they're happy we're happy but because we're not mind readers we don't always know when they're unwell and in my experience cats are not the most you know open when it comes to sharing their woes and there goes junie literally jumped right off me so helping us keep tabs on our cat's health is just one reason you should use pretty litter pretty litter's ultra absorbent crystals trap odor instantly no more cat bathroom smell thank god Pretty Litter's super light crystal base also minimizes mess and dust. Plus, the crystals last up to a month, which means less scooping and fewer trips to the garbage can for Blaze, because that's his job. Here's the coolest thing about Pretty Litter. It changes colors to help monitor early signs of potential illness in our cats, including urinary tract infections and kidney issues. And Pretty Litter ships free right to your door in a small, lightweight bag. Pretty Litter has changed the game. The litter box is right near Leona's room, and so it is very delightful to not have that litter smell all the time when she's taking a nap. Plus, we can rest easy knowing that Juniper and his little kidneys are healthy. Pretty Litter helps keep tabs on my cat's health and keeps odors down. You and your cat are going to love Pretty Litter as much as we do. Go to prettylitter.com slash ATWWD and use code ATWWD to save 20% on your first order. That's prettylitter.com slash ATWWD, code ATWWD to save 20%. Prettylitter.com slash ATWWD, code ATWWD. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Daylight saving time is starting up again. It may feel like there are more hours in the day, but if you're hiring, it doesn't necessarily help you find qualified candidates any sooner. There's only one way to do that. ZipRecruiter. 
Right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com drink. ZipRecruiter works around the clock to find qualified candidates for you. Once you post your job on ZipRecruiter, they send it to 100-plus job sites so you reach more of the right people. ZipRecruiter's smart technology also quickly scans thousands of resumes to identify people whose skills and experience match your job. Spring forward with a new hiring partner, ZipRecruiter, and find top talent sooner. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com drink. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com drink. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. I have a story for you, and I've wanted to do it for a while. We have gotten a million and a half comments about it, um, which makes me nervous because I feel like I didn't find as much information as people wanted. But I, I think maybe we just have like uh, an audience in this area, so they were hoping we'd cover what it. What is so, it? Um, this is Lakely Near in Georgia. Oh, I don't know about this. Uh, so I've wanted to cover it for a while, but I wanted to make sure that I did it justice. And if you're from the area, you might know what I'm talking about. Um, first and foremost, Lake Lanier is a 38,000 acre man-made lake in Georgia. Oh my Um, Lord. It it has almost 700 miles of shoreline. Oh, I just burped. Excuse me. (laughs) (laughs) Ever consummate professionals we are. (laughs) From water. Okay, whatever. Um, from not carbonated water. <laughs> what is from, that? How old are just we? From we like, being can't a even troll. drink water without just like <laughs> falling to pieces. <laughs> oh. If you're wondering what 30 looks like, it's drinking water and then having like chest pains all day. And then your um, body rejecting it for some reason. <laughs> so, uh, man made lakes are extremely common in the US. Uh, at my dad's house growing up, we lived on a man made lake. Um, yes, we love I them. Think- these, this country, we love them for some reason. And I don't think a lot of people realize that even like massive lakes, like maybe their own lake, a lot of people have lived on lakes, they that they're man-made. Right. Some people would have no idea. Um, fun fact for you, Alaska, do you know how many natural lakes Alaska has? I have no idea. Over three million. Whoa! I thought it was a trick question. I was going to say zero, and then I was like, I'm going to sound like such a fucking idiot, so I said i don't know no you're good it's a it's so natural lakes it has over three million that are bigger than five acres um wow and these make up over 40 percent of the nation's surface water um jeez and then fun fact how many uh natural lakes does maryland have uh i eighty thousand. none <laughs> Damn it! I knew zero was going to be an answer, especially if you didn't I, react. I, I threw was like, the I should have. I threw the Alaska in there at first to throw you with the naturals. Yeah, you so, really got me. Alaska has uh, over three million natural lakes, but Maryland has none. If you've been on a lake in Maryland, it was man-made. So, I have. Oh, well, great. <laughs> so, uh, man-made lakes. Uh, do you know how they're created? I don't expect you to know, but I just. If you have an answer, you do. I've tried to make a lake before when I was little in the backyard and I just dug a hole and put water in it. It didn't work. So I know it's not that. It actually kind of is. Oh, okay. Kind of. I just did it wrong. Kind of. (laughs) So uh, you you can do it one way or you can do it the opposite way. So you can create a dam um, in a river and then have it fill up a natural basin. Oh, that makes sense. Or you can dig out a basin, a man-made basin, and then have a, a river fill it up. 
Um, And so probably the only reason it didn't work for you is because you didn't have a dam and the basin was not down to clown. That is is exactly why it didn't. That's the only reason it didn't work out when I was six and I tried to make a lake. I get it. You're well, oh, I'm just telling you what's I, I short lived uh, landscaping career down the drain. <laughs> well, uh, man made lakes are often created to provide drinking water for people, for agricultural irrigation, for industrial cooling, and um, in my opinion, one of the most important ones is flood control. Mm. Um, but creating man made lakes, which are also called reservoirs, um, they are ecologically very controversial. Um, flooding a basin destroys hundreds of thousands of acres of, uh, habitat that's near water and is very, very important. Um, it's called, I think, riparian, riparian habitats. That means habitats that are nearby water. Mm. So if you flood a basin, it destroys acres and acres and acres of that, which creates, um, like creating the, the dam itself uh cuts the water flow and it harms things from being able to move upstream or downstream where they're supposed to oh it like blocks the natural flow of yeah it's another reason why like salmon is becoming endangered because they can't get upstream anymore right 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 and also um major rivers have always carried sediment downstream but with a dam in the way it stops the river flow and sediment can't flow so instead it just sinks to the bottom okay and in the grand scheme of things, this means that there's very little new sediment replacing old sediment. So plants aren't rooting properly and it's destroying the wetlands, which is causing more flooding than there should be. So Oof. something as small as creating a dam hundreds of miles away can cause the wetlands on the shore to oh, that's not sad. be able to flood uh, or right, to right, prevent right. flooding well. So that's why a lot of hurricanes these days have more devastating damages. Um, oh. and it, so anyway, just wanted to throw that um, fun little deep dive in for you. Deep dive. Well, a deep dive. Wink. Well, if you had told me that when I was six, maybe I wouldn't have tried to make a lake. I have a feeling your dam was about the size of like a solo you know, cup or something. You know so, what? <laughs> <laughs> Who told you about my secret tool I was using? <laughs> I feel like you were just scooping with a rock or something and accidentally just helping the ecosystem. Of course that's what I was doing. <laughs> Uh, so here's where we get into some of the darker history of man-made lakes in general, but, um, this is what leads into Lake Lanier. So reservoirs are also super controversial socially because a lot of these man-made lakes are built on top of towns. Um, and not like the town was already flooded. So let's take advantage of it and just make it a lake. But like towns were intentionally flooded and destroyed with the purpose of creating Seriously? a lake on top of it. Hundreds of t- ba- of flooded towns out what there the fuck? were flooded to be to create reservoirs. Oh my god, I didn't know that. So an example of this is like Lake Mead was actually um an ancient indigenous settlement that's now called <gasps> the Lost City. Oh. Um and historically, if a town was going to be flooded, residents would be told with very little notice, so of they course. couldn't really pack everything up. Um, they were also sometimes paid, but the compensation was like not enough to like recoup like how much you're losing from your living. fucking job. Yeah. 
And a lot of these towns were also like farmland. So farmers were already hurting and now you're paying them less than a farmer's wage and they're having to, they don't have enough time. So, I mean, I don't know what the devastation looked like, but I, I imagine it'd be hard for those people to get, to get all their animals out in time and stuff like that. That's so sad. Um, or even just their own like livestock, their whatever's in their own home, you know? Um, and one of the most, uh, Notorious examples of this is Lake Lanier. So Uh, it was once home to indigenous people for at least 12,000 years um, until thousands were forcibly relocated so white farmers could move in. Sure. And then by the late 1800s, there were less white people, and this town had actually become Oscarville, which was a thriving community founded by free black Americans. Oh, okay. Oh, I see where this is going. Yeah, it's nowhere good. <laughs> nowhere good. Um, so it became Oscarville. It was known as a successful black community. There were many tradespeople there, farmers there. Um, but by 1912, uh, during 1912, there were, I think, over a thousand black residents living in Oscarville. Um, many were landowners. It was just known as like a successful black town. Um, and white Southerners that live nearby hated, of course, <laughs> of course, black success, black power, black excellence. So, dear Lord, um, the tipping point for white people um, was when an 18-year-old white woman named May Crow, she was um, attacked. I think she was assaulted and then beaten and ultimately murdered by three black men. That was the oh. story that came out. Um, and I think there was, like, no evidence of who the three black men were, but Ernest Knox, Oscar Daniel, and Rob Edwards were accused, charged, tried, and convicted in one day. Oh, cool. Great. Awesome. 5,000 white people came out to watch their lynchings. Yeah, I'm sure this is all above board. And then, oh, and by the way, they were tried, of course, by all white juries. Well, sure. Um so 5,000 people came out to watch their lynchings, and then uh, the white residents attacked the town. Uh, they came into this area, uh, which is, by I've the way, in... This. Did somebody do a... Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Did somebody do, like, a movie about this? I feel like I've I've definitely... I don't know. ...seen a retelling of this. Have, have you heard recently. of Forsyth County? Yes. Okay, oh, so that's wait, where this is. I know why. It's because I cover... I think I covered a story... In Forsyth County, isn't that where that murder took place? Or not murder, that, like, mysterious death? Okay, I don't know. Uh, Never mind. I I do know about this county. I think I've covered a story from there and and talked about the history of it. Yeah. Okay, so Lake Lanier, uh, or Oscarville is in Forsyth County, and uh, that's where the story is taking place. So um, white residents of Forsyth... uh, grew much more violent after this white woman was attacked and the three men were lynched they basically told all the black people in town get the fuck out you're not wanted here um they burnt down all the black owned homes businesses churches and eventually within the next few years every black resident fled oscarville Um, oh sorry i just remembered tamla horsford uh she was the one who was found dead after spending like the uh, doing like an adult sleepover w- at with oh, all those white women that was in Forsyth County. It was in Forsyth County, and that's why it became such like a 
hugely mm-hmm. sensational case because the woman who died under mysterious circumstances was black. She was with all the other football moms at like a mm-hmm. slumber party and she was found in the backyard and like nobody really knew what happened. And part of it was the context was this story, or like the co- the story of the county of the town. Yes. Um, yes. And how okay. like that was kind of like a, a gas like waiting to be ignited by the, you know, it was really crazy but i i do remember that yeah so Horrible. my next bullet is let's deep dive into forsyth county um great well which, apparently i did already but i don't remember so you can tell me more <laughs> you'll i think you'll remember as soon as i say a couple certain things because there's you'll let's see so there are parts of lake Lanier that are in forsyth county which is where oscarville was and at one point it was said to be incredibly racist. It was openly a sundown town. Mm. Um, and I guess according to your story, there's still, it's still a bit of a hotbed of racism. I don't, I'm sure there's some lovely people that live there, but this town does have quite a history. I think the um, history just bubbles up when it's, you know, put in such stark contrast, like with that, that death. An example that you might remember of Forsyth County is that in 1987, Oprah Winfrey went to Forsyth County. Mm-hmm. You remember now? To I feature do, yeah. To feature it on her show. It's actually a 45-minute segment, which I did watch all of it last night and then needed to, like, detox afterwards. Oh, geez. Because I haven't watched it, so yikes. There's a much quicker version, like a recap on um, YouTube if you want to watch it. Um, but... Oprah went there because there hadn't been a black resident there in mm-hmm. almost 80 years from 1912 to 1987. Ever since that, uh, that woman was attacked, there hasn't been a single black person that's lived in that town. So, um, I think after watching the 45 minute segment, I got some better context on it that there was, I think there were talks of like black people wanting to move back. I don't, or like talk like, I don't know how the discussion came up because I don't know if they wanted to, or if it was a hypothetical, but the townspeople started freaking out and a protest was held in town yes. um, about white brotherhood. Yeah. And uh, 20,000 something people came out to be part of this March. Black people counter marched uh, at the mm-hmm. same time. And you can see them being pelted with rocks. Literally David Duke, the grand wizard of the KKK was there. Um and the feature had clips of people just walking around in their KKK robes and chanting slurs and saying black people aren't welcome here. It was just horrendous. Yeah. Um. So Oprah hold, held a panel and I will say a majority of the people she she held a panel of all the people who actually live in town. Yeah. Um. And a lot of them were like, this is bullshit. Like, we welcome everybody. So I appreciate it's like the loudest the, get the like headlines exactly. and stuff yeah which is unfortunate exactly so it's it's not that forsyth county ha- is 100 percent racist right. it's just that they have quite a number of loud folks in vocal <laughs> vocal minority yeah fuck that so that was just to give you an idea of what this town looked like even in 1987 80 years later um that they had to have a panel about whether or not they should allow people other than white people to live here um right. and after this at the during the last census they recorded that forsyth county wasn't even five percent black so it's still heavily you know prejudice i would guess i would assume that there, there's quite a few people out there who would think that but I just wanted to give you a recap on Forsyth County and going back to Oscarville after they drove all the black people out of the town, 
the army then took the area and used it as mm-hmm. a reservoir project, which, which it, it's not like it's entirely the, the town or Forsyth County's doing, but the government took advantage of the fact that now there was this empty town. Sure. Um, when they flooded the towns, they sunk landmarks, stores, schools, churches, cemeteries. They all became the bottom of the current lake. I mean, that like makes my heart sink. Like that's so dark. Mm-hmm. Like how could people and, just be like, oh, it's not a big deal. I mean, you're just drowning an entire town's worth of history and culture and like people's homes. Also, um, because white people drove all the black people out of the area out of fear they really abandoned ship it wasn't like they were there to claim and relocate family right, graves true. like or graves i didn't even think of graves or uh, important documents doc- or documents I was sentimental say, stuff archives of you know oh. history there actually was i think it was also oprah if it wasn't oprah it was it was some news I don't want I don't know which one it was, but somebody um actually tried to reach out recently to um descendants of Oscarville residents and was wow. able to find people who actually could tell the stories that their grandparents had Aww. told them about Oscarville, which that was a really interesting segment too, but it's just so sad. So much history was just destroyed immediately. And yeah, um without without thought or input from the people who actually lived there. And not at all fun fact, but there are many communities, communities like I said earlier, that have been flooded and turned into reservoirs. But, of course, a lot of them are black communities that were run out and then flooded. Um, and this right. is either through overt or systemic racism. Um, examples of this are Delta Park, Oregon, that was a black town once called Vanport. Um, in Alabama, Lake Martin, which is still there, was actually two black towns called Coalesia and Susanna or Susanna and then Central Park New York City used to be two black uh, communities called York Hill and Seneca Village so just some examples for you Mm -hmm. Um, on top of all that history uh, and the bodies that were sank by the government these were also again once sacred indigenous sites so just two kicks to the crotch and for the third uh this lake was named after a southern confederate so (laughs) why not (laughs) just put cherry on top you know what i mean yeah the racist cherry on top Uh, so today anyway i'm sorry to like bum everybody out but i also like would have definitely been an asshole to not talk about that no it's uh, it's really important to the i mean mix mix it's also fascinating you know i mean as fucked up as it is it's important to that we remember it it is also wild that like some people are just like out there jet skiing and like there's a yeah. fucking school underneath you or something like like cemeteries or like there's cars grocery there's stores oh yeah so today it's a tourist attraction in an affluent very white area uh that it brings in about five billion dollars a year no that's crazy with 10 million annual visitors um and some stats i said this was a very white area some stats suggest that this town is up to 70 percent white or this okay. area um lake lanier is also particularly dangerous for a man-made reservoir because uh multiple drownings boating incidents whatever it is mm. but it's but it's oddly dangerous um from like 19- i don't know why like we think it the story goes it might be the ghosts cursed i see from 1994 into this summer, last month, um, 
Almost 230 people have died in this league. <gasps> and just for clarification, if you're listening to this podcast in 40 years, because that's what oh, I right. tell myself, uh, the year is 2023. So from 94 to 23, you said? Yeah, so... Um, not even not even 30 years 230 people have died in this that really seems high um at the time that these notes were done it was eight deaths had already happened this year but as of tiktok last night 12 have already died this year are you shitting me um and since the lake's creation because we don't know a lot past 1994 but the assumption is since the lake's creation there have been 700 deaths wow one of the most recent deaths uh, was 10 days ago. Uh, our researcher Googled Lake Lanier deaths, and within the hour of researching that, there was a new death. <gasps> That's like the worst Google alert you want, you know? You're like, oh, just finishing up these notes. I'll put a pin in this, and it's like, yeah. update. Yep, still updating. <sighs> so, um, like I said, most are drownings, boating accidents. Um, a lot of them are also electrocutions because oh, uh, shit. the electricity in the boats being released into the water or like the power box on the docks. Um, AKA this is why you don't swim in marinas um, because all the electricity in the water in that one That's spot. terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Um, but many believe that the lake's history caused a curse on the lake. Uh, which threatens all who enter it. So it's just a lot of bad energy there that is radiating still, and there's a lot of eerie mm -hmm. phenomenon. So in 1958, this is one of the bigger stories people still talk about, is that a girl named Delia and another girl named Susie, they were on the Jackson Bridge, the Jerry D. Jackson Bridge, uh, right over the lake, when they lost control of their car in some way and crashed into the lake. <sighs> 18 months later, a fisherman found a woman's body floating in the lake, <gasps> missing both of her hands. Oh. And they were like, that's odd. There's a story there. And this woman was just buried in an unmarked grave because no one knew oh, who it she was. was not one of the girls? They didn't know. They just found a woman 18 oh, months after this car crash. <gasps> um, but she was buried in an unmarked grave. And soon after she was buried people started regularly seeing a ghost on the bridge of a woman with no hands. <gasps> oh, no. So now many people think that it could have been I her. see, I see. Um, she has become known as the Lady of the Lake. People still see her today. And some say she's either a residual haunting of one of the women, or maybe she wants to grab you and pull you off the bridge and down into the lake. Which, like, Ooh. good luck you don't have hands. But you can try. <laughs> uh, like, if she's known to grab you, I'd be like, it's even creepier because she doesn't have hands. It I'm is like, worse. It is so somehow her, worse. Her ghost has ghost, ghost hands. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. I got you, ah! I got you. Uh... So yeah, she became known as the Lady of the Lake, and 30 years later, by the way, the bridge was undergoing construction, and the crew found the woman's car in the lake, and Susie's remains were found in the car underneath the bridge. <gasps> so I don't know if she didn't have hands or not, but that could probably be really useful information. Um, but wasn't the woman who was already found the one without hands? Oh, yeah. So I guess if they found Susie's remains, then right, Delia so was the one without De hands. That so may have been Delia, yeah. May have been Delia. Um, 
Sad. Believers in the Lady of the Lake hoped that this would like put her spirit to rest, that both people had been discovered. Mm. But since this, there have been even more sightings. <gasps> really? Um, yeah. So it's interesting because they did like uh, whatever they could for a proper burial. They found remains. Weird. and She's still seen. Maybe there's something to the accident that she wants people to know, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Ouija board on the bridge? Maybe you later. would say yes. Don't even with I'm your in. I don't I'm know. In. Let me Who think am I about kidding? it. <laughs> There's another uh, spirit which is extra eerie to me. It is a ghost of a raft that Oof. floats on the lake at night and appears from thin air in front of boaters. Just a random is it raft like will just hop bump aboard? into your boat. Yeah, I don't know. Like, is it... I don't know. Is it trying to lure you into the water? That's creepy. So a lot of boaters have claimed to also see a shadow figure nearby pushing Ugh. the raft along with a pole. Like fucking river sticks. Like that seems like <laughs> a ancient, like an ancient, uh, ugh, creepy. Well, so even though the water is too deep to tread, this person looks like they're gliding through the water, pushing this raft with a stick. And ugh. some believe this is a residual spirit from before the lake was made when people worked the waterways here. And so maybe this is a worker who used to push boats and like oh. that floated through shallow streams oh he's like here's the water i know what to do which is also interesting because that implies that ghosts float because wouldn't he be haunting the bottom of the lake where he could stand at one point where the water would have been at the time good point but now he's floating all the way up here so hmm. you'll float too that's what says. <laughs> oh no um but yeah so Apparently, this raft has an old lit lantern that lets you see the figure's shadow. Oh, until, that's creepy. Until the shadow and the raft vanish into the dark. Uh, that does feel like an under, underworld. Like, mm -hmm. It feels very ominous. One story is that um, one night the fisherman saw the raft and actually heard someone yelling. And so he dove in to help. And only when he came back up from diving in, the raft was gone. So it really does kind of sound like it's luring you Get into the water. In, yeah. Um, if you there's this is an urban legend, which like I'm curious if your town had anything like this, but they said if you swam in the lake in your underwear on a Sunday, like one of those crazy ones, uh, <laughs> you could actually hear the old town below's church bells ringing <gasps> underwater. Okay, which, I love that. The underwear part is hilarious, but the rest of it is very spooky. <laughs> it's also like the church is saying, like, you're sinning. Like, get more than your underwear oh, on Oh, I or see something. your butt. Ding yeah. dong. It's like, sin. Sinful. Sinner. Yeah. I, uh, Wouldn't it be weird to think, sorry, real quick, of like, you know how we talk about sometimes time slips or like witnessing kind of a clash in time where you're accidentally like seeing the past or the future? Wouldn't it be wild if you lived in that town and you got a glimpse of the future and it was just like the whole place is fucking underwater? You'd be so confused. Can you imagine like looking I... up in the sky and there's someone floating around in their underwear? You'd be like, I'm so <laughs> confused. What is going on? <laughs> no, but oh. it is it is really wild. And um, I, obviously, we've talked about this a million times where I think of glitches and in, in yeah. the multiverse or whatever it is. I can't imagine getting a glimpse of everything like underwater or like what would that mean for you can you not breathe or that, like right exactly you... is that like you're there actually or is it you're just dream like maybe a dream of it i don't know yeah oh i can't imagine like 
it also really makes me wonder and like it's kind of dystopian in a way but mm. like i think about the room i'm in right now and i'm like in a hundred years what's oh yeah what's right where i'm sitting like is there someone Ooh. else also sitting here or is this like has nature taken over and it's just back to woods or like is, is it this... the roaches have taken over <laughs> the roaches are now podcasting on your behalf but everywhere I, uh, like I, I walk or sit down, if I'm like, if I think too long about it, I'm like, what was here a hundred years ago, and what's going to be here in a hundred years? I think years? about that constantly. I'm so glad you said that. I also <laughs> my, think about it. My constantly. intrusive thoughts are always—they're not always bad. Sometimes they're just like, do you think that whoever sat here had to wear a Victorian like corset back in 1880? <laughs> you know, I'm like, I don't know, because I'm in sweatpants. Are they mad about it? I don't well, know. Well, also, I mean, I think about it even with like. I think about it sometimes in a very sweet way where I'm like in this room at some point or on this property, like if the building went away and I I floated down to the ground and, you know, on this piece of sidewalk, like did someone ever have like their first kiss in this space? And like, I'm just like oh, in a I've room where something really special happened. Ever thought that I've always thought, I bet somebody learned that their family member died in this house. I'm like, I bet something tragic happened during the war in this house. I, but I well, should start flipping it. I like the positive aspect. Well, I was going to say, I the range is really wide for me because it can go there or it can go like, oh, with all the like history that's been erased, like what happened to indigenous people right where I'm standing? Well, you know, yeah, like, that part is it, always it going to be bad. <laughs> it can be incredibly tender or it can be really fucking horrid but depending on back, my mood. But, but then you think back then too, like probably some really wonderful tender things happened before they got displaced, that's true. you know? So there's also, think about this, cycles. even before indigenous people was a, a dinosaur, dinosaur here fell in love with somebody <gasps> but did a dinosaur sure. like die from a meteor crash right where i am probably yes but it's but a also... cycle of life baby okay hey all right okay <laughs> <laughs> ah, this is what i tell myself when the intrusive thoughts start like <laughs> knocking the door down i'm like it's just a circle of life you're like that's hollywood baby that's how it's that's that's hollywood how it baby <laughs> <laughs> so anyway anyway <laughs> Naked underwear people in the sky on a Sunday. Is- <laughs> I can't get over that. That would be one of those trippy things where you're like, I had the weirdest dream. And like, it I know. would make no sense. But then it, it makes you wonder. And there was a naked teenager floating around and the church bell was going off. But like, mm-hmm. it makes you wonder if like, if any dreams are impossible, yes. like, like nonsense dreams that don't make any sense. You're like, maybe in the future. Yeah. You don't know. Well, so, uh, we were we were talking about how Lake Lanier can be very dangerous to swim in, and it can also be very dangerous for divers specifically. I don't know wh- how many people are out there diving in a lake. Stop but, diving in there. Uh, this is because, and this is another kind of trippy thought, is that a lot of underwater debris that we can't see from the town floating oh, up. Of course. Like, why would they not even think of that? Like, bricks are going to get loose, you know? I mean... Think of, like, someone's cookbook just smacking you in the face. Literally! Like, like the foundation <laughs> of someone's house just decides to, like, pop on up. Trees? Underwater trees? trees? What are you thinking? A fence? A car? Nonsense. A picket fence? Just poke you in the butt. It's just We're nonsense. so lucky. We're so lucky that cars don't float. Because think of all the cars that would just come flying up, you know? Oh, just, like... You know when you put something underwater and then it like shoots back like one of those oh my god boards? Yes. Oh, it would be so dangerous. Oh my god, no one could dive. No one could be in the water. <laughs> Explore new possibilities, pleasure zones and find your vibe at funlove.com. 
Funlove.com is a leading online retailer of sensual health and wellness products, offering a wide array of premier brands of toys, lingerie, and accessories. I know I've talked about it before, but we received the most lovely gift basket from Funlove. First of all, I didn't know what it was at first, and then when I pulled out a vibrator, I thought, oh boy, this is not your everyday fruit basket. There was everything, I'm telling you, from sexy perfumes to toys to vibrators to lube. I mean, I gotta say, it's like a one-stop shop, okay? If you go to funlove.com and you're looking for maybe a romantic evening, either with a loved one or with yourself, they've got what you're looking for, I can promise you. So what are you waiting for? Explore, discover, indulge, and make love fun by visiting funlove.com. And if you live in Arizona or Colorado, check out one of their 18 store locations. Hey, maybe I'll stop by when I'm in town. And for a limited time, you can save 30% off your first order when you use the code DRINK at funlove.com. Head to funlove.com today and use code DRINK at checkout to save 30% off your first order. Visit funlove.com today. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Everyone knows the holidays can take a toll on your bank account. If you're looking for creative ways to increase revenue, then get started with Squarespace's new feature, Squarespace Courses. Squarespace has the tools you need to create and sell your own online course. Start with a professional layout that fits your brand, upload video lessons to teach techniques and skills, and tailor your course with the powerful built-in Fluid Engine Editor. With Squarespace Courses, you can create engaging content your audience will love, then simply add a paywall and set the price. Plus, you can charge a one-time fee or sell subscriptions. Turn your creativity into income with Squarespace courses. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to www.squarespace.com drink to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. So it's really dangerous from underwater debris from the town, but also um, currents near the dams that have been created. They are also very threatening to divers. There's like underwater whirlpools and things like that. And a lot of divers have actually said when swimming in open water, they will like run into something like head on that they something in their path that they actually they don't know what it is. And when they come up or when they start investigating what they ran into that they couldn't see at the time, it's a straight up apparition of a human body what and they think it's like they found a drowning victim so they'll hold on to like try to help them to shore and the body will vanish out of their hands okay that's a nightmare that's a new one that's a new one that's terrifying to find and does that mean like bodies of the people that used to live down there are floating up and they're go or like that's the ghost of a body from down below or is that the ghost One of, of the a drowning victim. 300 or... people who've died there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so just terrible. There's also boats that have crashed hitting something in the middle of the lake. But when they go looking for what it was, there's nothing they could have collided with. Why is anybody on this lake? This sounds terrible and scary. Drownings are very odd here. Even strong swimmers will drown in incredibly shallow water, which is like kind of a universal warning of like yeah. anyone can drown in any level of water. But apparently it happens an odd amount here. Um, mm-hmm. Several people who have nearly drowned have also said that they weren't drowning, but they felt someone yanking them under the water and there was no yeah, one like, else around. That is one of those childhood nightmares that everybody, I think, can relate to. Yeah. 
this led to rumors that drownings are actually caused by the ghosts of the bodies in the water who have either never been recovered or are one of the more recent bodies, you know, that Jeez. have also died nearby. Some people have seen the spirit of a boy who drowned here wandering the shoreline, and some people even hear him yelling for help, but when oh. they go when they look to him, he's yelling for help while standing up in shallow water. So he doesn't actually need your help. He's just trying to lure you in. Oh, no. From the shore? Like, he wants you to mm -hmm. walk in? Oh, no. Yep. He just wants you to get in the water. Um, this has uh, made people wonder if he really needs your help or if he's luring you in. Other people claim to see ghosts under the water floating near the surface but not being able to get out wow. of the surface as if That's they're trapped horrible. under, like, a sheet of ice or something. <gasps> it's like they're near the water and can't get... They can't break the surface. Ugh. Um. So goose cam, like, what does that mean? Does that mean they're really they floated up and they just couldn't get out, or did they drown and they couldn't make their way up? And so they're ghosts they're trying is... to like make contact. Can you imagine a, a residual haunting of someone who drowns? So like no. the ghost can never get out of the water. It's just like that loop of like watching them drown. That's horrific. Um, sometimes people also hear angry voices calling their name in the water, also trying to lure them in. Ugh. People hear unexplained sounds, they see lights, they hear music and singing and talking that are all reported on the water, even if you're on a boat alone with nobody nearby. Oh. Despite the hauntings, the history, and the controversies of this man-made lake, and all man-made lakes, um... People of Lake Lanier are unlikely to change anything, considering, again, their $5 billion annual profit. I was going to um, say, also, I feel like this is probably such a popular spot that, like, half our listeners are like, don't tell me not to swim there. My family goes there. You know what I mean? I feel someone like, could I'm be like, why are you going in there? And probably everybody's like, because I go there during the summertime, weirdo. It's my vacation. I don't know. Somebody could be on their boat right now listening to us. I, that's like, what I'm saying. I wonder if they saved this episode for that and they're going to be For like, their hmm, big summer trip. Yeah. Awkward. <laughs> um, there's a historian named Lisa Russell. And I'm just going to end on a quote from, from Lisa that says, a haunting is something difficult to ignore or forget, something poignant and evocative. And the real haunting in this story is how history has made it impossible to ignore what was done to the land of North Georgia. Once a land of wild rivers, North Georgia is now broken with dams and human-made bodies of water that changed the ecosystem. Mm. And once a land that belonged to indigenous people, it is now buried under the water, making recovery of that lost culture impossible. So uh, it's scary and on every level yeah yes it's Sc heavy stuff i mean and it makes sense why it would have such a dark energy if i mean you know it doesn't sound like it has a dark energy for the most part if you're just like there on a boat having fun but you know it it makes sense that people think it's cursed or has a dark energy to it if it does have such a bleak history but i can also i can also see why it makes such a profit because it's a lake for anyone. If you're a historian, if you are trying to preserve culture, mm. if you like ghosts, if you just like being on the fucking water, you, like there's yeah. a reason to be there for any group of people. It seems right. Like, like I think if you, if I didn't know this story and someone said like, I want to go there, I'd be like, sure. Yeah. I don't know. Why not? It's or, or you can lake. know a lot about it and still want to go and, and go, just, yeah. and give it, it like it's, it's, you know, respect or something. So there's, 
it's obviously a tourist attraction, but I can see why so many different types of tourists probably are learned yeah, to it. drawn so, to it. I wonder, yeah. it, it, listeners out there, if you, uh, I hope you don't mind my kind of flippant remarks about this lake, um, but I am curious to know if you've had any spooky encounters, anybody out there who's been here, you know? I, I will say we've had a lot of requests by DMs at one point were filled with people who are near lake Lanier. so i wonder um, if they've had any stories send them to our email i'm curious yeah yeah I, uh, they're probably like we have already <laughs> i was just I know. not looking at it but <sighs> wow, but yeah good so there story. it is that's one of my favorites so far em that was i didn't know you could have a such a haunted lake i didn't know that was a thing i mean 700 deaths and it's since its creation and that's like crazy and like almost a third of that was in the last 30 years like boy. yeah so last comment guys be careful please out there like go have fun but just please be careful bring a life and jacket yeah. or something yeah Jesus. and emma's right you can drown in an inch of water anybody no matter how proficient you are at swimming so please be careful um, and if you see a raft at night don't don't look at it <laughs> don't even think about looking at it just let them go on by all right um i am so excited for my story today why i'm covering a cowboy oh my god well here we go folks everyone you can leave it's it's christine's time alone with her cowboy i'm uh, having a moment with billy the kid if is it oh wait, really is it the billy oh, oh. billy the kid oh man okay oh. so for anyone who for some reason decided to join listening to the podcast for the first time ever and this is your first <laughs> episode with us um christine has quite an interest in cowboys what is it like it but usually it's cowboy ghosts like it's not even just like cowboys but after after thinking about it for quite a while and like really trying to dig into it i think it's like also cow like all like wild west blaze if you're listening be a cowboy for halloween it's like not that hard especially in kentucky just hard. figure it out just go buy some cowboy boots just there buy some something. stirrups and uh you know and a there's hat. something like so endearing and intriguing like i don't know if i like in a past life lived in the old west or something but there's something like so um just like i'm enamored by wild west stuff i don't know and you weirdly it actually occurred to me i was thinking about it a few weeks ago that's how often i think about the wild west um <laughs> like too entirely abnormally often um but i i had this suddenly this flash where i remember being a kid and we were driving through you believe a kid <laughs> i'm sorry one. i was driving through uh like the desert out by uh death valley with my mom and brother on a trip and i remember her like getting really teary-eyed and she cried like the whole time and she just kept saying i've been here before and mm. she she grew up in germany obsessed with like spaghetti westerns all wild west stuff obsessed like to a scary degree it was everything cowboy everything wild west all of that old western stuff and uh, so when she went, she started crying. She was like, I've been here before. I've, I've lived here before. And like, mm -hmm. she doesn't say that very often. Very often. I've had that, I've had that before. But before I move on, I, you were having a tender moment, so I could not interrupt. But what on God's green earth is a spaghetti western? What? What do you mean, what is a spaghetti western? What are you talking about? Like an Italian western? 
Are like, you serious? Are like you serious? West- yes. Uh, like a Western Wild West movie? Spaghetti. How would how is that involved? This can't um, I can't be the only person on earth with this question. I think you might be. Maybe you're not, but I feel like Spaghetti Western? Where would I, I have learned that? Everyone's everywhere. learned that? I mean, Spaghetti? I don't know. Maybe not. Are you not gonna tell me what it is? I'm still it's sitting a movie. here. <laughs> it's a movie. It's a Wild West movie. Oh, it's a movie. Yeah, it's a type of movie. No, no, it's I, like a genre. I still don't understand. Hang okay, on. okay, here. I'll read the Wikipedia. <laughs> the Spaghetti Western is a broad subgenre of Western films. Pro- oh, okay. Well, they were produced in Europe, I guess. Oh, but, okay. <laughs> but they okay. were known, they were directed by Italians, typically. So they were called, like, Spaghetti Westerns. Because oh, okay. they were, like, Western films, but made by uh, Europeans. But... I mean, it's a very, very com. I mean, I don't know. In your house, maybe. Maybe. (laughs) But like, let me read some. Okay. I'm going to read list of spaghetti westerns. Did Eva respond? Does she know what it is? Eva, say no. Don't make me look like a fool. She's going to say something very like in between. Sorry, M. Yeah, it is a pretty common term. Okay, good. I feel better now. I was like, am I having... If someone, if someone else out there didn't know what I was talking about, could could someone else out there comment or tag okay, me? In this? I guess I feel so alone. I guess what I'm surprised by is that you've never heard the term. Like I feel like At a all. lot of people probably have heard it and are like, I don't really know what that is, but you've really never heard it. Well, anyway, like also all West, those... westerns are not at all like my like they're your cup of tea. It's not even like on my shelf. Like I, but so I don't I've... think I've ever watched one. Like I don't think it's my thing at all like i don't i mean it's my mom's thing definitely but like uh let me read some the good the bad and the ugly oh uh, i I, I don't know just all those famous westerns django um there's a lot i had no i no idea okay so my mind's already blown and we haven't even gotten to your story yet okay okay well in any case uh when you were like, I don't want to interrupt, I was like, what could you possibly be interrupting about? And then spaghetti Western. I was like, okay, we should probably discuss that if we're going to continue. But imagine if um, I said like, oh, I love lasagna horrors. Like you would be like, what the fuck is that? Like, that's how crazy just, it sounded like, to me. I just, it's rare that like, I know a pop culture term or like a, a movie term, especially I don't watch movies ever. I'm like, not a, I'm, I'm very bad at movies, cinema, film, like not my jam at all. So I'm it's rare for me to know something that you don't. I feel like I, very off. My footing is off. You know, I feel you are superior yeah, in no, terms of no, I'm the, not, the slang I, today. I just genuinely was like taken aback that uh, I don't know. Anyway, sorry. But yes, a spaghetti Western is like a, one of those classic old like cowboy films. I, I don't I'm really watch those. It's not even my thing to like watch. But I think there's something, there's a draw there for me where I'm like, I feel at home with the Old West saloon style. There's something. So anyway, my theory, because I'm just going cuckoo off the wall bananas today, is that my mom and I, because I do think she and I have spent a lot of lifetimes together. I have a theory that at some point we were out like in the West somewhere, like out in the trekking across, you know, in some different relationship format. So that's my theory because it didn't I've, occur to me until recently when I thought about my mom's like since she was like five her obsession with the old west living in Germany mm. and it never really occurred to me and then I was like I'm obsessed with cowboys and then it kind of clicked and I went oh maybe there's like a, a connection I don't know maybe not, I had but. I had a um like a past life regression done and I honestly don't know how you did why didn't you talk was- about it 
this was years and years. This was before oh, I think right. we were even friends. You've never um, talked about this? Because I, I don't really know how accurate it was. It didn't really feel oh. right. Um, I know what you mean, where you're like, am I just inventing this? Was it like you just felt like you were imagining it? So maybe I'm using the wrong... I went to somebody who was able to tell me about my past lives. Is that not what a past life... Oh, so it wasn't a regression. They just did a reading? A reading. A reading. Oh, um, okay. And I was in Sedona, and it was like kind of... They have a place on every corner. So I don't know how... You know what I mean? I don't know how totally accurate it was. Um, but the first thing they said when they saw me was that I used to be a cowboy. And I was like, really? I've never felt that at all. But that was like apparently the most powerful thing they pulled out of it was like, oh, you were a cowboy. And <laughs> I, I was feel like, like, you would not okay. get near a horse. You'd be like, no, thanks. I mean, um, I used to do horseback riding, remember? That's true. But you don't strike me as someone who was like super. <laughs> I Yeah, no, I'm I'm not like. <laughs> certainly of all the people i've ever been reincarnated from it was not billy the kid let's be clear like um, i swear i remember when i did that akashic record reading for you but i still don't know if i'm making it all up but i got that you were a blacksmith in a past that's life. what i that always was... i've always felt that way anyway so that one makes more sense to me okay good okay that made me feel good because i was that is what i always weirdly envision you as like old time blacksmith in like colonial well, it also makes a little more sense So, like, I don't know about any other lives, so I can only talk about this one and maybe that one, but, like, wanting to work with my hands and, like, yeah. I've always been really connected to that, like, era. That like, is true, that hands-on. And, like, I've always, like, even, I know how, like, gross this is. Trust me, I wish I could just, like, not feel this way. But, like, something about, like, the colonial Williamsburg era, like, there's something there that, like, I'm just always, like, weirdly fascinated by and like it, it doesn't happen anywhere else which that was a big blacksmith era so i don't know there's i that one i would believe a lot more than a cowboy i have really no connection to cowboys that's so weird because uh, yeah and i also have no connection to cowboys but for some reason i do <laughs> I'm like no so I, I have weird. no spiritual connection oh, I, I have no like even interest saying. in it the way you do so yeah yeah i i just um i don't know and i whatever anyway this is billy well hey <laughs> I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I feel like you'll like this story. It's it's pretty crazy. I really didn't know most of it. Um I knew some of it, but not not the depths of it. Um it's a it's a wild story. So Billy the Kid. He was actually born Henry McCarty, believe it or not. Huh. Not okay. not even Billy, not even William. Crazy. Uh yeah, crazy. He was likely born, we think, in late 1859 to a woman named Catherine McCarty, and she was an Irish immigrant living in poverty in New York City. Um, we don't know who his father is, but he and his mother, during his childhood, they relocated to Indianapolis, and so they moved out, you know, west. And in 1873, Catherine married a man who became Henry's stepfather, and his name was William Antrim. Mm, and Billy the adult. There you go. You're on to it. <laughs> and uh they moved to Santa Fe, New Mexico to start a new life. So Henry moving out here was very uh adaptable, very smart. He quickly became fluent in Spanish as a way to fit in amongst, you know, the new peers he had in the West. And I don't know that I just find this so fascinating. This was a really, really difficult difficult region to live in. Um, there were lack of resources, lack of medical care. There was so much prolific fighting, murder, just like, I mean, what you picture the Wild West to be, mm -hmm. you know? And this significantly dropped the average life expectancy in areas like this. 
So according to some sources, it was so tough to live out west that 80% of the population was under the age of 30. Holy shit. 80% of the population was under the age of 30. That's how. So if you really were there in another life, you didn't last long. Is I know, but hearing. apparently it made quite an impact yeah, on I was gonna my say, soul. But what a thrill it must have been. What a, <laughs> what a, what a great... lasagna horror it must have been. <laughs> what a lasagna horror. Indeed. You know what? Um, that's good. You really uh, came through with that one. So in any case, it was a very... Uh, tough existence uh, to make work, especially for a family with a kid. Basically, cowboys out there had picked up their tools for survival from Mexico's vaqueros, and these were often called the first real cowboys because they pretty much were. Under Spanish colonial rule, enslaved black men in Mexico had worked as vaqueros to maintain livestock, and as livestock populations grew and demanded more work, uh, they abolished a law that had been set in place that had forbidden indigenous people from riding horses and they Jesus. would be executed if they were found riding a horse. So they abolished that law because oh, okay. they needed more people to work on these, you know, sure. livestock farms. And that law was repealed. So soon black and indigenous people in Mexico were mastering techniques as far as horseback riding. And they were paving the way for other cowboys who eventually became the face of the Wild West, like Billy the Kid. So Henry was still just a little kid, and he settled down with his parents in Silver City, New Mexico, where William, his stepfather, could find work as a miner. Oh, also mining is another weird thing I have, like, a very strong attachment to for no good reason, like coal mining. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just like, All right. coal mines, I'm like... I'm, I don't get to. I'm Colonial Williamsburg, so like, <laughs> take it, please, take it, run I think with coal, it. I like. I just love stories about coal mines. I don't know. Listen, I live in Kentucky now. Maybe I'm just trying to get to my Appalachian roots, but something <laughs> about it. I'm like, ugh. anyway. So Catherine unfortunately was suffering from tuberculosis, and apparently she worked in a laundry. Meaning, and like reading about this was just it like drives home how hard it was to live in this era anywhere, um, especially if you had to do labor. She worked mm. at a laundry meeting. She had these like big, huge boiling buckets of water to wash clothes in. And then apparently they had like cold buckets where you would have to jam your hands into like, so you don't get burned. Ooh. So you'd like be in the scalding water. So constant water. shock. Constant shock to your system. And she had tuberculosis and got a lung infection and like, Think about how horrible that would be to be in this like enclosed area with all this like dirty boiling water where you're washing mm. people's sweat out and So ugh, even if you weren't a cowboy, you were not gonna live past it 30. sounds like it was <laughs> tough no matter what. Like it didn't even because again, like the cowboy stuff aside too, there wasn't really hospitals. There wasn't really like it was I mean, I don't even know a better way to say it. It was like the Wild West. Like, there's no structure in place for medical care and that kind of mm -hmm. thing. So you're kind of out of luck. So she had hoped moving, you know, from like New York City and Indianapolis to uh, a desert climate would heal her symptoms or help her tuberculosis. But unfortunately, she did get a lung infection and she succumbed to her illness only a year later at the young age of 45. Hmm. And she left 13-year-old Henry alone. Uh, he did have a younger brother. But at this point, he 
and his stepfather you know his stepfather wasn't really interested in raising a kid that uh, you know wasn't his biologically his yeah. own yeah exactly and so he was kind of just adrift at age 13 and he moved into a boarding house run by a woman named Mrs. Sarah Brown and we're not sure if uh Henry had been a troublemaker you know before his mom passed uh but at this point he did start to get into a little bit of trouble he befriended another boy in the boarding house and they were uh like partners in crime i guess you would say uh literally so on september 23rd 1875 which was a year and one week after his mother's death henry was arrested along with his friend from the boarding house george schaefer the story goes that Henry was on the lookout while George robbed a laundry operator, making off with clothes and two guns. And they were both mm. arrested for this, charged with larceny and sent to jail. And even though the sentence was pretty light and he was young and he was going to get out pretty soon, he was very impatient um, and decided he was going to break out immediately. So okay. he shimmied up through the chimney and escaped. <laughs> I can't even and, imagine the upper arm strength for that. But okay, I, I, I can't even imagine putting my stupid butt in a chimney. But okay, <laughs> yeah, he's like 15, so I guess he's probably gangly, you know. And uh, he he makes his getaway, and now at age 15, he's officially an outlaw already. Because oh my god, he's, he's already from escaped prison, yeah. from jail. Yeah. So the Silver City Herald published a story on this escape, and this is actually the first story published about the boy who would become the most notorious outlaw of his time. Mm. So his escape out the chimney is like the first newspaper article about him, which I kind of love. So Henry made his way through New Mexico, through the desert, alone to the mines where his stepfather worked, and William gave him some money, his stepdad, and said, you know what, get out of town before you get in trouble. And Henry said, all right, don't need to tell me twice. And he skipped town. He wandered through the winter until he showed up in the Arizona Territory at Camp Grant. And at this point, he was 16 years old. So he started taking up odd jobs on ranches. Uh, and this is when he picked up his infamous nickname, The Kid. Mm. Now, quit little quiz, pop quiz for you. Not really pop quiz because I haven't taught you this yet. But do you know why Kid was such a... It was actually a very common nickname back then. Oh. Why was, like, you want me to know why? You have a guess, uh, yeah. Why? Is it because so many parents were dying by 30? There were just mean, kids everywhere? That actually, I think that actually is part of it. Yeah, that, I think that actually is part of the theory, interestingly, that, like, so many people were starting their lives at such a young age because the life expectancy was so short. Yeah. Yeah, but, so, I actually pulled, um pulled a line from a website called tvtropes.org uh, and they said quite a few gunslingers and outlaws made their reputation before they were even old enough to shave regularly thus they got kid as part of their nickname and mm. people there were so many teenagers and young people like working these ranches and then moving on and then getting replaced that people would just kind of call you like oh the kid the kid it was kids who were kind of either delinquents or were considered like i don't know just on their own uh escaping the law what have you basically kid was what you were called if you were a young person kind of potentially in some trouble and okay. you think like butch cassidy and the sundance kid there's like a oh, lot of right kids. so kid kid was mildly derogatory 
It was a little bit. I think it was more just like a hooligan, you know, like a gotcha, a young person getting some trouble. But then a lot of them kind of took that nickname on and it was like an endearing thing. So gotcha. They reclaimed kind of, it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Henry was just one of many kids, but eventually he would take that as like his actual, you know, name. So Henry made little money, but he wasn't responsible with what he did make. Again, he's 16 and like his, he doesn't know his dad and his stepdad doesn't want him and his mom is dead. So I can't imagine you. Tough life. (laughs) Yeah. Like I don't blame him for being 16 and gambling away his money. Like, you know, there's worse things you can do, I guess. But especially when you have 14 years left expectancy wise. Exactly. You're already more than halfway through your life expectancy at this point. So, yeah, he gambled it away. He started spending time with a horse thief and suspected murderer named John R. Mackey, and they became pals. And um, John had a notorious gang, and so he kind of got in the folds of that. And a year later, Henry was arrested for the second time in his life for stealing horses from soldiers. And when he was arrested, they listed his name in the paperwork as Henry Antrim, alias Kidd. And so Antrim was his stepfather's last name. So he had kind of taken that. And then Kid was the nickname he had gotten. Um, So you can kind of see how we're getting to Billy the Kid, (laughs) slowly Mm -hmm. but surely. So fortunately for Henry, uh, a local dance was occurring that night. And the guards were much more interested in going to the local dance uh, at the, I assume, some sort of saloon. It was much more important to the guards to go there than actually guard the prisoners. So they kind of let them be for for a while. And Henry took advantage of that. He was in shackles, but he managed to escape while they were gone. And I watched a documentary yesterday uh, and they showed like the actual handcuffs. It was the director of the Civil War Medicine Museum, which I've always wanted to go to. Um, And he was showing how you could escape those handcuffs back then because like if your hands were either too big or too small, like you could just get your get out of it. Huh. Like they were so finicky that like they only worked, you know, on people with very average size wrists. Which it is wild didn't... because you would if you knew it was foolproof, if you grew up at a time when that was foolproof, it's not like you can say, Ha ha, he's shackled now, off to the dance. Exactly. Like it's like apparently you knew there was, was like... a chance he wasn't yes. gonna be there. And apparently this was like a fucking epidemic people escaping these these handcuffs so like i don't know i don't know what they were thinking but uh i guess it was the dance was worth it you know he's like this it's like i'll just catch him again later i guess (laughs) yeah i feel like it almost feels like a cartoon sort of where it's like it's not that serious you know it's like yeah yeah oh we'll catch him next time like it always it's like oh man kind of thing oh shucks yeah it it feels sometimes they say oh you're going to be hanged tomorrow. And then he like escapes. And I'm like, what are these people doing? Like they're yeah. saying these like crazy serious things. And then they're like, oh, well, I, mm. I don't know. It, it seems like it was a very different time. So he gets out of these shackles. He disappears for a few months and he comes back that August uh, and enters a poker game near Camp Grant. And we know this because during the poker game, he got into an argument with the local blacksmith, Emothy. Oh, no, not Emothy. Sorry. <laughs> not yet. Not uh, yet. Maybe not yet, you were Billy yet. the Kid, and that's how we found each other. Ah! Well, this is going to be rough news for you, Em, because Bang. he killed the blacksmith. 
Yeah. <laughs> saw that coming. Yeah. So Henry got into an You're like, I'll see you in another life. I'll see you over I, there. Also, I love in that theory that I, or in that version of events that I did an Akashic record reading for you. And I'm like, I see you as a blacksmith. And I'm like, yeah. And I fucking <laughs> But not as my you. murder victim. Yeah. <laughs> I see you covered in blood. Nope. Uh, it's it's like you did that. see me as a murder victim and you went, let's, let's, let's not go there. Let's, let's not gloss tell you over that. that. Yeah. Listen, I'm sure there was context, you know, you had to be there. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. Like, I don't know where I came up with that, but anyway, so he got into some sort of argument with a local blacksmith whose name was Francis Windy, nickname Windy Cahill. Hmm. And Windy attacked henry so this was provoked okay um mm. you started it i know what i did <laughs> windy attacked henry pinned him to the ground and started slapping him like really Ooh. aggressively and it was sort of at least the vibe i got from one of the documentaries i watched is that it was almost a show of like haha like overpowering him and like making the other people laugh in the oh okay in the saloon you know it was sort of like to entertain people and so henry shot him uh got up and ran and wendy died the next day from this gunshot wound and henry skipped town this time he fled to new mexico and he ended up running into a gang called the boys who belonged to a larger web of outlaws out in the west and (laughs) why are you laughing what was i'm sorry like the kid and then no no the boys and then they're part of then they're part of a bigger group where I'm sure there's the girls and like it just keeps going. <laughs> the men, <laughs> the fathers, yeah, the teens, it, it, the preteens. There, actually, there are a couple more gang names that we'll get to, and some of them I'm like, oh, that's badass, and some of them I'm like, you could have brainstormed a little longer, you know? But yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, the boys uh, who belong to a larger web of outlaws whose name I do not know. <laughs> the people, uh, un- unfortunately, yeah, the people. <laughs> And so uh, at this point, Henry dropped his stepdad's last name because he had already been arrested under that name, right? And so he took up his first name, or his stepfather's first name, uh, assuming the alias William H. Bonnie. And Bonnie was his mother's last name. Oh, what an interesting... That's a fun yeah. game for all of us to play. What would our name be if we did father's name, our initial I think, I mother's think it was name? Her, I think it was her maiden name. I want to make... I, I, I want to be sure of that because her name was McCarty when he was born. So I don't know where he got the name Bonnie. I'm trying to remember. Might have been her first name or her middle name. Maybe. I think it was either a. uh... Oh, yes. Okay. So it was his mother's maiden name. All right. Okay. So he took William from his stepfather, Bonnie from his mother's maiden name. And H was his middle initial Mm -hmm. for Henry. And that is where you get the nickname Billy the Kid. This became the nickname that stuck. Gotcha. And another thing, I'm sorry, I feel like I keep interjecting with, like, anecdotes and side stories, but I just find this so fascinating. They talked about on um, the, I think it was a PBS documentary, they talked about uh, how back then you wouldn't know what an outlaw looked like, right? right? So you see, like, oh, this person's wanted and, you know, this person is so dangerous, but, like, you wouldn't know if some random guy walks into your town like that, you wouldn't know that that's Billy the Kid, the notorious outlaw, you know. You can just so, be like, "My name's Tyler." Exactly. Like, you could just okay. fucking change your name, and everyone's like, "Okay." You know, it's like really an interesting thought because it was so expensive to create of an image. And actually, that's apparently a misconception of the old the Wild West is that there were not 
that many wanted posters. Like that wasn't as Mm. common as we kind of see it in the trope of like the Wild West. And uh, there actually was never a wanted poster for Billy the Kid. There was interesting, only, yeah. And you'd think like somebody that notorious for sure there would have been, but there was only one um, piece in a newspaper uh, clipping or like one newspaper clipping that said, you know, five hundred dollar reward for Billy the Kid. Um, but it was not, you know, spread around town as posters, and uh, you know, people wouldn't have known what he looked like. There's only one photo of Billy the Kid in existence, which I will send you. And uh, I will say, it's as they said in the documentary, it's not the most flattering picture, Great. but I still find myself like enamored with him. I don't know. I don't know. He just has a he has a draw to him. Maybe maybe in a past life you were like his one secret true love that he just oh, couldn't Paulita? shake. Yeah. I've already thought about that pretty extensively. I'm like, maybe I was Paulita. In your in your shower, like next time you take a shower with your like alone thoughts, you're just like, oh, imagine just if like I were Paulita. Daydreaming. <laughs> I swear to God, I was like, maybe I was Paulita the way I'm like getting so weird about this. Like, I don't know. Or maybe I was like Paulita's uh, like sister and I was jealous. I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of options. And now it's Hamilton. Okay, great. Okay. <laughs> Of course, I'm going to put my life into the narrative of Hamilton. Okay, so anyway, he takes up this new name. Uh, He's now Billy the Kid. Later that year, he is arrested for the third time in his life, and this time it is for possessing stolen horses. And the horses belong to a 24-year-old cattle rancher named John Tunstall. But this is where there's a little plot twist, because apparently John Tunstall really liked Henry, now Billy, and like took a liking to him and sort of took him under his wing and became his mentor. And it's kind of a romanticized part of the story, but it's seemingly true that they had a very special, like fatherly son bond Mm -hmm. because he had not known his father. His stepfather had kind of brushed him aside. And now he had somebody who was like actually taking care of him and mentoring him. And it it just, it's kind of nice. He had, he had this guy, John Tunstall as his sort of father figure. So when Billy got out of jail for stealing John's horses, John was like, oh, man, I can't stay mad at you. Come work on my ranch. So no, you're hires- lucky you're cute. Yeah, you're lucky you're cute. That's exactly you're lucky you have that doofy grin with your <laughs> weird looking teeth. Uh, and so he let him start working on the ranch. And Billy finally got this like stable home life, you know, mm-hmm. and he really liked the other ranchers and he got along with like his compatriots on the ranch and i'm sure they weren't called compatriots uh but whatever (laughs) you want to call it his co-workers i don't know so he started working for john and his title was a cowboy and gunman to protect the ranch so he Mm -hmm. was hired as it it reminds me of like frank abagnale where it's like you were the criminal but now you know how to protect you stole my horses so now you know how to protect my horses from being stolen by other people so he really likes this job he really likes this ranch and the only hiccup in this is that john tunstall who owns the ranch was caught up in this big business rivalry with two men named jimmy dolan and lawrence murphy their business as we're throwing around these names was called the house whatever okay. the that means man everything just feels like a child named them it's it <laughs> feels like they looked at an item and said that's that's what that's that is the name Sorry, yeah. can't change it. If so, there isn't a horse in this story named the horse, I'm going to lose my the mind. Horse. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like it's just very predictable in a way. So their business, the house, had a monopoly in 
Lincoln County, where they lived, and they had this monopoly on dry goods and cattle. And so when this guy, John Tunstall, came in with his ranch and wanted to get involved, they were pissed. So he was not afraid to stand up to them and try to get his own business. And so they had this big feud, right? But back then, things were a little more loosey-goosey, legally speaking, as you can probably already guess. Uh, so not only did they basically control all business in the area, they basically controlled the law because the sheriff was like in their pocket, like in cahoots with them. Mm. And so this sheriff, this corrupt sheriff, right, is like on the side of these original, like the house, like these business guys. And so Sheriff Brady would let the house and its men get away with anything, including murder. So the sheriff just turned a blind eye if, you know, his guys did anything shady. But now that John was a competitor, uh, he feared for his life because it's not like nowadays where you can be sued, you know, it was right. like, you're going to be murdered. So in the legend about Billy the Kid, uh, like I said, his relationship with John Tunstall was very romanticized. And like John was a surrogate father to Billy, gave him a home, gave him a, a job, a purpose. And he did, uh, we do know he did give Billy a Winchester rifle, which became his favorite gun. And he used it his whole life uh, and gave him a horse and was his mentor. So he felt like he had a family now. He had a future. He had a stable place to be. And uh, what happens next was extremely tragic for Billy and sent basically his whole life like mm. into another set of turmoil. So there are two versions of this story. I'm going to tell you uh, one of them, and then I'll tell you the one that I learned. Um, okay. And, you know, either way, the outcome is the same. But the first version goes that in early 1878, John Tunstall set out to transport nine horses to Lincoln, New Mexico, and left Billy and the four other men who worked on the ranch in charge while he was gone. Along the way, he ran into an outlaw posse who ordered John to surrender his livestock on orders from Sheriff Brady, this corrupt sheriff in Lincoln County mm -hmm. who hated him. And so among the posse members were probably Jimmy Dolan, Billy Matthews, Jesse Evans, and Buckshot Roberts. So some <laughs> notorious outlaws who were part of the house. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So John did not immediately surrender and instead began to approach the posse. So they shot and killed him on the spot. That's okay. version one. Version two is that Billy was actually out on John's ranch riding with him. So like Billy was with John Tunstall. And mm. this is a version I've heard more often. I don't know if it's just because it's more uh, traumatic. exciting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or traumatic or dramatic. Uh, but it's the one that I've heard the most is that Billy was out on John's ranch riding with John Tunstall. Again, his mentor, surrogate father, like the only person he's really like felt this connection with. When a stranger approached on horseback and shot John Tunstall right in front of him, just like mm. point blank. Mm. And apparently the story goes that just to be cruel, they shot his horse too, oh, just shit. for the fun of it. Then they staged them to look like he was napping with his horse and he propped John's hat under the horse's head and laid them side by side like they were napping. Oh, Isn't God. That fucked up. Oh my so, god. With that version at least, it's clear how traumatized Billy would have been 
from this. But either yeah, way, yeah. he was very traumatized from losing this kind of father figure. And they later found out that either way, the killer had been sent by Sheriff Brady. So whoever, whatever version of events happened, uh, John was, was killed fault. under the order of Sheriff Brady. Exactly. The corrupt sheriff. So. Billy is fucking pissed and he's gonna kill sheriff brady for sure you're fucking on it you're on it so i was there so is you were there no you had already died no offense i I already killed you oops uh (laughs) so either way he swears vengeance against sheriff brady and the house and he and the his other co-ranchers who felt the same way about John, who had given them all like a home and a you know a job and a safe place to be, so they decide they're going to get revenge. And they're now, called is... the Revengers. Okay, wait, you like you're not far off. <laughs> Avengers? Are they called the Avengers? No, no, what, that would have been what? that would have been kick ass. Uh, <laughs> okay. okay, I'll tell you in a moment, but okay. let me explain first how it happened. So. The local Justice of the Peace, this is kind of, uh, the timing was pretty wild. So the Justice of the Peace appointed one of John's employees. So one of, uh, you know, he had been killed. And then the Justice of the Peace appointed uh, one of uh, Billy the Kid's, like, other ranch hands to become a special constable. So now one of the guys seeking vengeance for the death of John is a special constable, meaning that they have the uh, power to make arrests, like legal arrests. Mm-hmm. So he's like, oh, my God, I've just been given this great power where I can arrest people. The The justice of the peace said I can arrest people now. So he created what was a lawful posse, sort of like a legal gang, like a legal vigilante gang called the regulators. Oh, my God. Okay. You were right. And I was pretty on it. it. Pretty close. And they recruited Billy the Kid because he was in that friend group. So Billy the Kid is recruited into the posse and each member was paid $4 a day on their hunt for John's murderers. So basically they had one job. It was to find John's murderers and they were getting paid uh, the equivalent to $122 today uh, per day. So Okay. That would be roughly $15 an hour in today's eight-hour workday, which, like, not bad. Not bad. I think. I mean. Especially when Billy the Kid would have done it for free, so. (laughs) I was going to say he was already doing it. Exactly. Um, I I don't know. I feel like I would have been like, I can't find him. I guess you got to keep paying me to look, you know. But, (laughs) But he was determined. So pretty immediately, they captured three members of the posse that had killed John, the house, and although although they were supposedly making their way uh, with their three prisoners to jail in Lincoln to hand over the outlaws, they just so happened to kill all three men on their way back to Lincoln. So okay. this is considered cowboy justice. Okay. And the town of Lincoln was set into a tizzy uh, because mm. people were like, wait, what the fuck? You just arrested three of people from this town and killed them instead of bringing them back, you know, right, right. to jail. And so this became an uproar and people started getting divided over like whether they had the right to do that. 
And meanwhile, the New Mexico governor traveled to Lincoln to assess the situation and decided that the justice of the peace who had given the regulators like the legal right to arrest people had fucked up majorly. And so the governor was like, you are no longer justice of the peace. You're fired. (laughs) So he's out, meaning Dick Brewer, the guy who uh, got the special constable title and role no longer had that jurisdiction. He could not Man, just short lived. I know, right? He short-lived. had that power for such, such a, a taste of power. And speaking of which, he kind of took that and ran with it. He did not want to give it up. So what was once a legal gang now became uh, a gang, a very illegal gang. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yes. It became a gang of outlaws who are no longer legally sanctioned to do what they do, but they're doing it anyway. So I I love the idea that they started legally and then just like immediately. They they had a moment on the, on the right side of history. Yeah. Yeah. They tried, you know? Um, so in any case, they decided they still needed to get revenge and the, their task was not over. So they were now outlaws officially something that at least was very familiar territory for Billy the kid. Cause he had been, like I said, an outlaw since age 15. So April 1878, Billy and five members of the regulators, this is, uh, the legend has it that they sought them out, but in reality, we're pretty sure they just happened to run into Sheriff Brady. Like they were out (laughs) having a, having a meal and one of them stumbled upon him. Literally someone said, is that Sheriff Brady? And they were like, now's our chance. Yeah. So they just got up, walked outside, fucking point blank, open fire, and a shootout ensued. So as a result, Billy the Kid was shot in the thigh, but he escaped alive, and Sheriff Brady was killed. He killed Sheriff Brady for his role in John Tunstall's murder, uh, along with a sheriff's deputy. So as you can imagine, this did not go well in the town. Uh, He Mm -hmm. just killed the sheriff and the sheriff's deputy in cold blood, like, in the streets of Lincoln. Like, this was not good and he was doing it for vengeance but also it pissed everybody off right 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 so three days later buckshot roberts uh one of the people who there he is who had killed john hunted down the regulators and another shootout ensued and this time buckshot roberts was killed along with dick brewer john's uh foreman and the honorary you know leader of the regulators the guy who had started the regulators. He was killed. So all the surrounding towns were in uproar. There was violence uh, left and right. And it was like taking over the town. Like people felt like they couldn't like it. And I feel like this is one of the tropes that actually is kind of correct about the wild west. Like this place for a long time, there were just people after each other, shootouts, sheriffs, Mm. like, trying to track down outlaws like this all happened so i find that kind of cool but of course families and people just trying to live a day-to-day life out here were like i don't love that this is becoming so out of hand and there's so many more casualties and people started taking sides like some people thought oh you know the law is the law we should take the side of the sheriff but then other people were like no the regulators are just getting like revenge on some corrupt sheriff like i'm on their side so people start splitting and men on both sides were inciting the violence so there wasn't really like one bad guy Mm -hmm. uh and both sides were committing murder but 
only the regulators were being blamed officially for anything. So people started to get a little salty about that. And soon both posses, the outlawed ones and the deputized official ones, uh, had dozens of men in their respective ranks. Like they're just creating little mini armies. Mm. And this violence escalated for three months. This went on. Oh my God. I know. Like imagine living there and being like in hiding because you're just like, I don't want to be part of this. Like I'm just trying to be a laundry person. Yeah. And everyone's yeah. shooting each other outside. Like what the fuck? I feel like it you just, just get used to it. You just hear the gunshots and you're like, oh, please don't hit me. And just keep on again. going about your day. Yeah. You're like, just cover, put the like a, uh, you know, those ca- copper iron tubs for washing. I'd be like, okay, everybody get under your copper tub. They're, yeah. And just like use it as going. a traffic cone to cross the street. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you just like hide under it. I mean, it must be so dangerous. Like I imagine there was collateral damage when they're all just shooting each other in the streets. Mm. And it was so drastic it escalated for three months in what would become known as the lincoln county war and this climaxed in five days of continuous non-stop fighting in july of 1878 and this is when 60 members of the regulators remember it started off with like five people it's now 60 members of the regulators faced off against sheriff george pappin so the new sheriff mm-hmm. uh jimmy dolan uh, one of the guys who murdered John Tunstall and roughly 40 of their supporters. Wow. So there's a face off. And on July 19th, cavalry from the army, the United States army arrived to intervene and they had these rapid fire Gatling guns, which were, you know, top of the top at this time. And the idea sort of like national guard was to keep the peace, right. And they were supposed to be neutral, But, of course, they turned the gun on the regulators and threatened to open fire. Mm. And at this point, the remaining regulators were like, well, now we're totally outnumbered. And they fled. And only 13 remained. And, of course, one of those was Billy the Kid. He was not going to flee. And he stayed up to fight. And the 13 who remained holed up in a nearby house. So they're basically surrounded in this house. And... The sheriff, Sheriff Pappin, does not know how to get them out. So what he does is pretty fucking cruel. He lights the house on fire. <gasps> oh, my God. Yeah. He's like, I'll light it on fire. That, that way they'll have to come out and we can kill him. So he tries to flush them out and demand surrender. And Billy the Kid uh, tried to make a dramatic show of his escape because he wanted to, like, create a diversion to let the others get away. But unfortunately, the plan didn't quite work. And Billy did get away, but most of the regulators were killed in what was later called the big killing. Mm. So uh, really, really tragic day. And by September 30th of 1878, President Rutherford B. Hayes was fucking over it. Okay. He has had enough. I've never heard anything else about him in his entire life, and now he's over it in my mind. And I don't think you need to know anymore. I think I've given you enough information about him. He's like, you know what? Here's the one fun fact about me. I'm over it. And honestly, (laughs) let that go down in history, because I love that about him. He's like, fucking hell, this is enough. So he appointed, so Rutherford appointed a new governor of New Mexico and said, your job is to restore peace to the state of New Mexico. So the governor announced that everyone involved in the Lincoln County War would be pardoned for their participation 
except for those who were currently under indictment for other murders, which included Billy the Kid, who had, of course, murdered uh, Buckshot Roberts and Sheriff Brady. So Mm -hmm. he was still an outlaw. He was not pardoned as part of this. In early 1879, Billy the Kid and four other men rode into Lincoln to meet with Jimmy Dolan, one of the guys who had uh, the house, you know, who had killed uh, Tunstall, and four of his men. And it was the one-year anniversary of John Tunstall's murder. So they met and tried to come to an impasse, right? They tried to talk things out. So what they did, I mean, this is the most Wild West, like, visual ever. They meet in the middle of the road with their guns, like in the dirt road, right? Mm -hmm. I'm imagining a swinging saloon door in the background. Gotta be. There gotta be. And they shake hands and they set a pact. They say that we will stop killing each other and we will stop testifying against each other in court. If anyone violates this agreement, they will be killed on sight. Okay. So both sides said, Truce. Great. We won't ki- truce. We won't kill you. We won't testify against you. We're done. We're safe from each other. So in March, the governor received a letter from Billy the Kid. And <laughs> Billy the Kid, so sweet, wrote, I have no wish to fight anymore. Indeed, I have not raised an arm since your proclamation. As to my character, I refer to any of the citizens, for the majority of them are my friends and have been helping me all they could. I am called Kid Antrim, but Antrim is my stepfather's name. Waiting for an answer, I remain your obedient servant. So mm. he really wants out. Like, he wants out. He doesn't want to be an outlaw. He doesn't want yeah, to live like, like... I have a checkered past, but, like, I'll... Can we just do a redo? Redo. Yes, like, checkered past, but I can explain. Also, I swear I'm a great guy. Yeah. I, ask any just, of my buddies. Ask Polita. She loves me. Her <laughs> sister does, too. Even though she's a little clingy. And, um, like, lives anyway. in 2023, and she's actually married with a baby and, like, with someone else. Murdered a lumberjack, but that's a whole different thing. <laughs> yeah. It's a little messy. But anyway, they all love me. And so the governor said, all right, fine. Uh, I'll look into it. You can come testify. You can come and testify against several of the other men in exchange for amnesty. I will grant you amnesty. You will no longer be an outlaw if you testify against Jimmy mm. Dolan. And he says, sure thing, I'll do it. He has broken the truce already. Right. right. So the governor was surprised when the kid came and interacted with the public while he was in town. And he could see that Jim of uh, uh, Jimmy Billy the kid's letter was not an exaggeration because people were really really drawn to him. He had like a very magnetic personality, a uh, very open friendly guy from what sources say. Just people were drawn to this guy. He lit up a room, you know. Sure, he, yeah. He, I'm sorry. He lit up a saloon, you know. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes with a gun, sometimes with his beautiful personality. <laughs> I would say so. the, the flash of the gun sometimes is what lit up the room, but yeah. Unfortunately, sometimes lit up in a bad way. So he really noticed people seemed to like Billy the Kid. And after the kid's testimony, the governor declared, I will let you go scot-free with a pardon in your pockets for all of your misdeeds. So Billy's like, phew, no yeah. longer wanted by the governor, no longer, no longer wanted, you know, by the law. But ultimately, in this case that he had testified, you know, as part of the case he had testified in, 
Ultimately, 50 men were charged with roughly 200 indictments, but almost none of them even went to trial. And despite testimonies like the one from Billy the Kid about Jimmy Dolan's and the sheriff's involvement in these crime networks, almost all the charges were dropped and most of the men were acquitted or skipped town. So now Billy knew he Mm. was in big fucking trouble because he testified against them and now they're free. So he had basically uh, betrayed their trust and now he's in hot water Mm -hmm. so he realizes justice is not being served and now i'm a target uh so i he has to skip town again and for the next few years he gets up to his usual you know no good gambling drinking shootouts with other outlaws uh in one shootout a well-liked blacksmith was killed while trying to negotiate a ceasefire and yes may i rest in peace different blacksmith unfortunately uh and both sides blamed each other for his death billy outright denied having anything to do with killing this man uh but nobody could come to an agreement on it and so on december 3rd of 1880 the las vegas gazette published an editorial that referred to the kid as Billy the Kid, officially for the first time in Mm. writing. The paper frequently published tales of Billy the Kid's notorious exploits, often inflating the details. And you know how back then the newspaper articles sometimes were so verbose and flowery. And you were kind of like, it felt like they were kind of embellishing a little bit, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. So whether they were embellished or not, his, uh, his exploits were splashed across the pages of the papers people were reading along and billy's infamy as an outlaw exploded um and this is where i had another one of those like what you and i were literally just talking about one of those moments where i was just going over these notes before we recorded and i was reading that rereading that bullet and i thought oh my god the year was 1880 people in this house that i'm sitting in right now were reading about this Ooh as it was happening so that what a full circle from what we were talking about earlier of what was happening 100 years ago right where you're sitting i mean and it's so weird you brought that up because today like a couple hours before we recorded i was sitting here thinking man i wonder if a ghost could see right now what i'm reading yeah if they'd be like oh i know that guy (laughs) you know yeah (laughs) it's just so wild to me that like back then or to think about like whatever it it, you know i could go on a tangent but basically i'm saying it is so cool to think about like living history like oh this story back then in this household specifically would have been like the talk of the family like oh have you heard about this billy the kid he's causing a lot of trouble you know it's wild how like followed along a lot of people say that like when they listen to podcasts they're like screaming the answer even yeah. though like we can't hear them i wonder if on the other side harry is in your on your couch right now screaming uh-huh. at you more details that you're butchering as like i he's was like, there first, i know he's like first of all stop wearing pants well first of all <laughs> he's probably like start wearing pants because i'm over <laughs> the not wearing pants second of all put on a corset like a respectable lady uh <laughs> sorry harry not gonna happen not gonna happen um but yeah isn't that weird to think like maybe they how funky see my notes and be like wait i know this headline or like a picture of the old newspaper anyway i just love shit like that wild it just trips me out you know 
Okay, anyway, so on December 3rd of 1880, uh, like I said, the Las Vegas Gazette published an editorial referring to him as Billy the Kid for the first time. And this is, again, when I started thinking about people in my house, you know, when they built it in the 1870s, like reading about this as it was happening. I just think that's so cool. Uh, So anyway, he at this point knew he was in hot water because the spotlight was on him. The whole nation is like following along. And he's like, I don't think that's good because everyone's making me out to be this like violent outlaw you know so he wrote the governor a letter again and he said i was not involved in killing that blacksmith but the governor did not believe him and instead a bounty was put on his head and this is that newspaper clipping i mentioned that read 500 dollar reward notice is hereby given that 500 dollars reward will be paid for the delivery of bonnie alias the kid to the sheriff of lincoln county so $500 back then is just about $15,000 today. So that's that's a big chunk of change. I also, I feel, can you imagine writing a letter to the governor for help? And then the response is, oh, actually, there's a public bounty for you. <laughs> He's like, actually, run. <laughs> <laughs> actually, fucking run because we're coming for you. <laughs> It, it, it just feels so targeted he's like hey listen man i didn't do this he's like sure okay yeah and then his eyes change you know and he's like we're coming yeah like, yeah what the fuck uh, it's Hear like me I, out. so do you think at like i don't know what was going on in the 1880s obviously i wasn't there because you killed me but like i wonder i'm so sorry by the way that i didn't get to let you experience the last (laughs) part of the decade i'm sorry well my thought is like i don't know how possible it is to like just get on a train and just like fucking get to like new york and just like work a factory job or something and like be totally hidden and like there's no there's no picture of you like can't you just go somewhere where there's not shootouts and a life expectancy of 30 and like just kind of hold out i think you probably could but i wonder if at this point like he's been living there since he was 13 and i wonder if like this is just what he knows and the life he had he he can't imagine like i guess i don't know i feel like if someone if the governor if fucking like gavin newsom had a $15,000 bounty on my head I would leave California (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I would start a uh, GoFundMe to try and protect you so don't worry thank you (laughs) Um, so I have a couple theories about that and by I have a couple theories people have theories that I've now uh, learned and one of them is that he was in love Uh with you your sister (laughs) not with me unfortunately with paulita and uh some speculate he did not want to leave town because he was head over heels and he just couldn't imagine leaving her behind uh Mm. some people speculate that this was just the life he knew and he had his friends and Another part of it is he was so young still that there's that element of like notoriety, naivete. naivete. You feel invincible, you know, like you've already escaped death so many times. You've already escaped jail so many times. 
it's sort of like you f- I, f- I imagine at this point you sort of feel invincible like well might as well keep on keeping on you know yeah that's true um so i'm not really sure but uh yeah it would have probably been smart to just peace out but i guess then he wouldn't have become you know that famous outlaw we all know mm-hmm. so there's this award out for reward out for his arrest and on december 23rd sheriff garrett and his men hunted down billy the kid's hideout and surrounded them Instead of a shootout, though, they just spoke back and forth throughout the day, and they finally got Billy to surrender. And the way they got him to surrender is, which genius, and would work on you and me both, Em, they started cooking beans and bacon outside, and they were so hungry that they they gave in. They said, fine, arrest us, we'll go to jail, but I'm so hungry. So, you know, they used human need to their advantage and uh got them out and they surrendered peacefully so billy had to say goodbye to his love paulita maxwell and went to the sheriff to las vegas to be imprisoned uh he said in an interview with the las vegas gazette what's the use of looking on the gloomy side of everything the laughs on me this time so, okay. Hey, he owned it. All right. He really is. He's like uh, very self-aware, very, I don't know. He just has a charm about him. In April 1881, Billy the Kid was ultimately charged with the murder of Sheriff Brady. He was found guilty and sentenced to death by hanging. So, of course, the fairness of this trial was questionable, uh, considering that the governor had previously officially pardoned Billy for that crime. So it's like... He's been pardoned, but now they really want to punish him for it. Right. Uh, And the other shady part is that the court appointed Billy a lawyer who was well known for publishing negative pieces about Billy. Mm. Like in the newspaper. So even his lawyer was not on his side. So a fishy trial, if it can even be called that, but he was sentenced to death by hanging. So while awaiting his execution in jail, Billy was bored. He decided to concoct a plan to escape. Of course. Of course. So there are several versions of this. Uh, and they're, they all are relatively similar with a couple differences. One of them is that, uh, they, well, they all kind of start with him asking to use the outhouse. Mm-hmm. And he needed to be escorted to the outhouse, right? As being being a prisoner. And so... Getting to use the outhouse was the only time he wouldn't be shackled to the floor. Mm -hmm. He would only have those flimsy handcuffs. Right. So he asked a guide, uh, I'm sorry, a guard to escort him to the bathroom. And there are multiple versions of what happened here. Either he ran ahead, grabbed a gun out of the office from upstairs, turned and shot the guard as he was following up the stairs behind him. Another version is that he wrestled the guard's gun from him mm-hmm. and attacked. And yet another version is that uh, one of his, one of Billy the Kid's compatriots had left a, uh, or fellow outlaws had left a gun in the outhouse hidden. Mm. And so when he left the outhouse, he had a pistol and he could gotcha. kill, kill In the some way he had a gun. Yes. So he acquired a gun one way or another and he was able to escape. 
but the problem was there was another guard who was across the street watching five prisoners on the other side of the street. So the second jailer heard the commotion and came running outside to see what was going on. He then saw Billy lean out of the office second story window. He shouted, hello, old boy, and then shot him in the chest. Ugh, eerie. Eerie. Uh, some of these sources say they that he used his name. I think it was, I don't know, hello, Bob, something like that. Mm. Uh, but I saw hello, old boy in, in most of the research, so I went with that. He lived up to his reputation as the best marksman in the West. Uh, he was known for using the Winchester uh, repeating rifle. It was like the, I mean, you've talked about it. it. It's like the, it was the most popular gun back then. It was like revolutionary for the time because you could keep the gun facing your enemy when you reloaded it instead of mm-hmm. having to like take it and reload it from the top. You could reload it from the back so you could, you know, more efficiently True. kill people. So he was also known as an extremely talented marksman, so he could shoot people just point blank. Mm. So after shooting this guy, this other guard, uh, he then used a pickaxe to break free of his shackles, and then he stole a horse and made his getaway. So three months later, Sheriff Garrett and his men followed a room who were now like on the hunt and double pissed because they've already captured him and then he escaped and killed both of their guards so now they're extra pissed and they decide to hunt him down and the way they do this is they follow a rumor that paulita maxwell was pregnant with billy's child oh shit okay so guess where they go hang out for a little while his house at the maxwell's house uh, at Paulita's house. So on July 14th, 1881, Billy the Kid, as he always did, went to Paulita's house to visit her in secret. Mm. Now, Billy was often sheltered while on the run by Hispanic households. And this was actually a huge advantage to him. And one of the reasons people believe, historians believe that he was so successful is because unlike other, you know, white Anglo people who had come in and treated the hispanic population with derision uh he came he learned fluent spanish and befriended all the people in the area so he was considered one of them you know they took Mm -hmm. him in uh families took him in and people really cared for him and so he was often sheltered by hispanic households when he was on the run and there was a lot of cultural animosity uh in this part of the country during this time Uh, It was said that Billy the Kid humbly learned most of his skills from vaqueros, and he always said, you know, that is where he learned everything from spurs, the best spurs to wear, to horse riding technique, gunmanship, and he embraced the Spanish language, which was something that uh, white Americans did not Unheard of at the time, yeah. Yes, it was. It totally was. And so he never spoke as if he were, you know, better for being a white American. He just felt at home with them. But Paulita's family did object to her romance with Billy because he was an outlaw, which is mm-hmm. fair, you know. Like, I, I <laughs> That's get the a concern. good reason. That's a different thing. Yeah, there was like some concern there. Uh, but Paulita was apparently head over heels, and they they had people had it on good authority that they were romancing one another. 
So, unfortunately, Paulita's brother was not on board with his sister being romantically involved uh, with Billy the Kid. So guess what? He invited Sheriff Garrett into their home that night to wait and see if Billy would come around to see his sister. Great. So fucked up. So fucked Uh, up. Really messed up. And, of course, he did. He was in love. He wanted to see his girlfriend. And so he approached the house and he saw a kind of silhouetted figure in the dark that he did not recognize. And he called, this has become a famous line uh, in the story of Billy the Kid. He called out, Quien es? Quien es? Because he didn't know who it was. And Quien es is directly translated as, who is that? Who is it? Mm -hmm. Who's there? Right. And he was essentially asking Paulita's brother, like, who's in there with you? Yeah. So he says, Quien es? Quien es? And uh, Sheriff Garrett stood up, took his chance, shot twice, and killed Billy the Kid. <gasps> and that was the end of Billy the Kid. He was only 21 years old. And just like that, it wasn't in a shootout. It wasn't after he'd been, his building had been set on fire and he was trying to escape. It was just he went to see his girlfriend and uh, he was ambushed. Mm. was killed on the spot man so this news erupted internationally papers around the world published billy the kid's obituary and at the time sheriff garrett received accolades for taking down this notorious outlaw but the truth was that billy the kid was far more popular and more of a folk hero than this sheriff garrett ever became you know Right, yeah. Like, everyone was like, mm, yeah, petty small claps for you, I guess. Yeah, for- like, you did it, I guess. But <laughs> thanks a lot. You know, we were really into this whole story. And yeah. So only a year later, the I mean, I, I will say, too, like, a lot of Billy the Kid's storyline is, like, vigilante justice, you know? Like, s- sticking up for or getting revenge for the murder of his father figure. You know, a, a lot of it was very... um. It felt Robin Hood esque, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. people. It felt like a a folk hero almost to people. Sure. So only a year later, after he died, a novel <laughs> came out about Billy's life. And when I say novel, I mean like a novel because it was pretty much embellished stories and myths about Billy the Kid's life. It was called "The Authentic Life of Billy <laughs> the Kid," and I feel like if any title says. It's authentic. You kind of got to question it. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why are you insisting? You know? Uh, So this book immortalized Billy the Kid and his exploits as more of a grand myth than actual true facts in the American West. Um, But just to clarify, everything I've covered so far, as far as I can tell, is uh, whatever I presented as fact (laughs) is like, seems to be authentic fact. Yes. Uh Uh, So more books came out followed by TV shows, comics and movies. And as of 2012, Billy, the kid held the record as the individual with the most films made about him in history. Wow. I had no idea about that before I learned that. Uh, And I would say a number of them are probably spaghetti Westerns. Just saying. Not lasagna horrors. (laughs) No, probably not. (laughs) If one is, someone should let me know, but I would uh, I'd like to know. You could be the first, you know? I know. Oh, wow. So to, yeah, it's crazy. He, he was uh, really a legend. He's still a legend. Uh, and so today, many stories about Billy the Kid are 
you know, more legend than fact, and it's hard to know what's true. Uh, historians don't know as much about his personal life as they wish. Uh, like I said, there's only one single tin type photo of him in existence. And this photo, it's pretty famous, but I don't think I would have known what it was. Like, I, I recognized it. I'm going to get it for you because I don't think I would have known what it was uh, if you had just said, who's that? But when I okay. saw it, I was like, I've seen this photo before. So <laughs> he's kind of here. I'm going to send you a photo. Let me know what you think of my boyfriend. I'm sorry. I just heard you say my boyfriend. Okay. <laughs> oh, my God. He's so cute. You are a lucky girl. Lucky, Listen, lucky you. Here's the thing. We're going to put this on the Instagram. And I know. Listen, I know he's not traditionally the cutest guy. But everyone he's... has a bad photo, you know? And if you only have one photo ever, that's Can sucks. you imagine if you only have one photo and it's a bad photo of you? That's and, like, just he kind of blinked in it and it looks a little bit awkward and his He looks like look he so doesn't good. know he's supposed to be posing yet. He's, like, yeah. waiting for his cue. And so the type of photo this is, it's called a tin type. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's kind of those cheap... Uh, it's like when photography was finally starting to pick up and it's like a cheap metal uh, t piece of tin that the photo is mm. put onto and they cost 25 cents. Do you think so he, he's seen this picture of himself, you think? Yes. He yeah. Mm -hmm, he had that. Yeah, I know. So you didn't want to fork out another quarter and uh, get a redo. I, <laughs> if, if Paulita were in the room, I, I hope she would have been like, let's try that again. Yeah, like, um, I'm not putting this on our wedding, on our Zola website, okay? I'm not adding that on the Zola website. You need a better photo if we're going to get married. You know what's um, interesting is, like, it looks like he's actually wearing a very lovely cardigan. Oh. Like, his, like, that's like a, that's a ribbed, oh, yeah. a ribbed sweater he's wearing. That's a cool, it's a fisherman's sweater, yeah. Yeah. I love the hat that looks like a... <laughs> A dent dented it's like very funky looking i don't know um interesting but so yeah, yeah that was printed on a tin type and uh it was 25 cents which today is about five dollars so you'd think he could have maybe shelled out five bucks for yeah. a new copy but maybe he liked it and maybe he wasn't shallow you know so it's interesting. And, and like honestly, it's not the outfit I would have picked for an actual Wild West cowboy. Like See, a isn't top, that interesting? A top hat instead of a cowboy hat. Oh, like, by the way, cowboy hats, I've learned I think I learned this on lore, were like not really worn the way that we think they were. Oh. Uh most people did wear like bowler hats and uh oh. kind of these sort of top hat I mean not top hat, but you know, that that style like a bowler hat kind of thing. Um oh, interesting. Yeah, so uh, that's what we got on him, and uh, this photo on Tintype sold for $2.3 million in 2011 at a Colorado like, auction. Like his actual one that like he had. the original had. Tintype. Wow. Yeah, which is pretty badass. Like I think that's, sometimes I'm like, why would someone pay, pay that for an object? But this is pretty cool. Like the actual photo he had taken, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. Also, so, like, how do you preserve something like that to make sure it stays, you know? Okay. I haven't talked about this on the podcast and I've been meaning to, but I'm so overwhelmed and I will bring it up next time. But somebody mailed me. Maybe I did bring it up. Somebody mailed me like hundreds of old timey original tintypes and photographs from like the 1800s. 
What? I'm talking like a pile like this big to my to my P.O. box. With no wonder no you note. have fucking ghosts in your house, dude. I what know. are you talking about? Some That's of them not... are babies in those weird dresses. And I'm like. They're the Ooh. ones taking Blaze's glasses. This isn't some Harry shit anymore, I don't think. <laughs> I know. This why is... am I blaming Harry? That's probably why he's pissed. He's like, I didn't fucking do this. Who are these also, people he's in like, my house? He's like, yeah, this house I thought was like empty. Why are these all these guests in here all of a sudden? There's all these like random farmers here now. Yeah, I don't know. So their name started with an L and I uh, the only information was a return address on the package. No note. Nothing. Some, Isn't that always the eeriest when people send you things stack. with no no context it's just like it here was you go. crazy and they were just like all the and a lot of them had like these weird stamps on the back they all seem to be from like ohio indiana area um i have to show those to you em when you visit there's several tin types in there and they're it's really creepy honestly hmm, uh, interesting yeesh so anyway that sold and billy the kid's lover paulita once said, oh, my God, here you go, that she never liked the photo of him. Good girl. Okay, that's what's up. She said it did not do Billy justice. So yeah. she knew. She knew. She's like. She mm. probably saw that and went, oh, this is the only and this is the only copy, huh? This is the and only I option like, I have. Yeah, I feel like this is such a guy thing. Like, so what? What's wrong with it? She's totally. like, I want people to see what you look like. Who cares? <laughs> like, yeah. Apparently, millions of people will care one day, <laughs> believe it or not. Also, though, like maybe that was his like fucking strategy of like, if there's a bad picture of me, no one True. will know what I really look like. You yeah, know? it was probably dangerous to get a bunch of photos out there. Like, yeah, because then... he was probably like, girl, please don't show people what I look like. <laughs> the wanted posters are going to be up before you know it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the photo, now this is... uh kind of a fun twist so he was known as charismatic handsome charming and despite his notorious reputation he was actually very well liked by most people who knew him and known as like a very loving and caring person and friend and this photo of him that was that has become so famous uh <laughs> it shows bill's gun on his left side and this led to the belief that billy the kid was left-handed and this misconception became so famous that entire films were made about it like the left-handed gun and mm. they referred to billy the kid as like the left-handed you know outlaw turns out the photo was just reversed <laughs> and so he was actually right-handed the whole time uh so fun fact for you there if you've heard that rumor and although Billy the Kid was a notorious outlaw who, according to legends, killed 21 men in his 21 years of life, uh, history often remembers him favorably, and many people still defend his actions, claiming he was only guilty of seeking justice in a corrupt system. Mm. Ergo, the kind of Robin Hood vibe he gives. So the stories of Billy the Kid's escapades, uh, many embellished, presented him as an easygoing guy who never killed unprovoked. And I feel like that's important. Mm -hmm. Today, he's become one of the most famous antiheroes in history, with many still petitioning for an official governmental posthumous pardon for his crimes after the pardon he received was revoked during his lifetime. So in 2010, the governor of New Mexico was considering an official pardon, but he ultimately decided against it, citing historical ambiguity. Mm. Thus, to this day, Billy the Kid remains the West's most infamous outlaw. And in my head, yes. I'm 
I'm playing uh, Taylor Swift's anti-hero song now. Yeah, I love it. It's me, hi. Yeah. It's me, hi, I'm Billy the Kid. The and problem. also Billy Joel's Billy the Kid song, so. <laughs> oh, yeah, that too. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, so that's his story. I just, I really, I just always, I feel like there's a trope about outlaws just like, shooting people willy-nilly no care respect for life but it doesn't seem like that's this case at all and it seems like he didn't even really set out to be yeah a notorious outlaw you know he just wanted to be to get revenge for an unjust killing it even sounded uh, like he was like trying to step away from that world and then every time it would like something would happen he'd go oh not again and then just have to get back into it into it yeah. Yeah, and you know, he lost his mother so young and had such a a really impoverished and rough upbringing um and he really made a name for himself. So cool story. Wow. And that is the story of Christine's first lover. So, um I mean, I don't know. You know I was in Egypt before that, so I'm sure I had a few more lovers, but don't uh <laughs> you don't need to tell Billy about that. You certainly wouldn't have swiped right on him today if you saw that picture on Tinder, but I you know. might. You know me. I might have been like, you'd be like, I can, I can change him. We like, have a lot to talk about. There's, there's something called Invisalign. <laughs> <laughs> you'd be like, I just have to zhuzh up his style. He'll get it. It's fine. And also, like, who cares? Yeah, if he's a you bad know? boy at heart, but that's okay. That's okay. If he's funny, all bets are off. I do know that about you, yeah. I am a sucker. I like the second someone makes me laugh, I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm in love. And they're like, I did not want you to fall. And it's like, well, too late. We didn't, we didn't ask for this. Yeah. <laughs> we did not ask for this, but too late. Oh, wow. Talk about a good episode, Christine. This was a fun ride. A fun ride. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm proud of us. Good job, Em. Thank you. Good job, Christine. Good game. Good game, good game. Good, good game, game. Good, good game. game. Good game. Where's my orange slices, Eva? <laughs> I want a Capri Sun now. <laughs> we have um, our after hours to uh, get back to. Um, oh, my God. Do you remember we... what we're doing today? No. Do so you? So in our after hours today, I'm going to be going over the current active serial killers in oh, the U.S. Yes. today. Because I want to cover the current currently active serial killers to look out for <laughs> so uh-huh. yes pop good, good, on good. into patreon if you want to hear that conversation because i already have a bunch of bookmarks ready to go okay yeah if you want to hear christine's real wacky deep dives we <laughs> but very topical deep dives that are also life-saving so yeah i feel like they're they're wacky but they're also very scary and important I think that's how uh, most of our thoughts are. It's like, well, it's a little nutty until you need the information. It's like it's like that uh, saying everyone said for a while, like, I'm just in a silly, goofy mood when I do yeah. something like totally <laughs> deranged. It's like, oh, I'm just being a little silly today and talking about all the active serial killers to avoid. Okay. Yeah, exactly. I'm also oh. sending a picture of Paulita to the group chat so we can add her uh, next to her love. Uh, all right. Well, as the... Uh, resident by of this show what do you feel about paulita are you i think in she's love a with beauty. both of them i think she's a beauty look at she's such a cutie pie she is such a cutie pie i was like these two would have made the most beautiful love story and i wish that they had that chance it makes me very sad uh oh they loved each that other it was cut short you know and the fact that she was from a hispanic family and like he just loved her despite that and i say despite that because there was such 
you know, it wasn't unusual for uh, marriages to happen between the different communities, but it was still frowned upon by a lot of people on both sides. And so I thought it was just a really cool story because, uh, you know, her family didn't approve, of course, story age as old as time, but, um, <laughs> which Christine so... continues to perpetuate. Yeah, I sure do. Uh, but yeah, I think, uh, I think they had, you know, something really nice and, uh, it's, it's too bad. It got cut short. Well, if you want to hear us talk about more killers, you can do that over at Patreon and, uh, I'm sure Christine's got quite a lot to say. She might be attracted to some of them. So let's be like very careful about know. that. You know, <laughs> you never know. You never and know. that's why we drink. Live life at your pace. Click the banner or go to visitwilliamsburg.com to discover how. Because here in Williamsburg, life moves at one pace. Yours. Visit a live archaeological dig site on the very grounds where America began. Or walk the fields where our country was won. Live like a colonial by day or track 18th century ghosts by night. For all the history to be found here, there's plenty more to make for yourself. It's all waiting for you in Williamsburg. Book your trip today and live life at your pace.